There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't need no wine and dine. I want something high class. Like spending my nights at home, romance in the podcast. Take a deeper dive into these movies that are trash. trash. Me once in a bookstore and then we'll smash. Roll call. for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. <laughs> I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week we watched The, the Lucky, Lucky One. I picked this film. You did. Have you guys seen this movie before? Mikey, clearly you have. Yes, but let me tell you. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> yes. I, I picked this movie because I feel like we've done pretty high quality romantic movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, okay. I will agree-ish with you. This lowers the bar. <laughs> but I am going to say We should do movies like this every week I agree I love. Okay yes I loved this movie I thought it was horrible It was so bad But I still cry at the end I wanted to pick a film That was like a B movie Of like a romantic movie Don't call this a film That's rude If, if by B movie You're referring to like The B movie The animated B movie With Jerry Seinfeld With Jerry Seinfeld Because this is roughly Roughly the same quality Agree Paige Agree I did see this before uh, Obviously And I thought it was really weird When I saw it But like <laughs> kind of kind of good, I guess. I don't know. It, it was something. And I was like, we should do this. So wait, Mikey, did you see it by yourself in the theater? Like, I saw it. With, what year did this come out? 2012. 2012. I would like to say I saw it with someone I was dating. But I just remember it being terrible. <laughs> you would like to say that. <laughs> I, I don't remember the specific person. So... Ooh. It could have been by myself. The only memories I have of the movie are the movie itself of like, wow, okay. <laughs> like, what did I just watch? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Paige, have you seen this one before? I had not. I remember when this came out, and I remember hearing about it, and I had remembered that people were like, the movie is wild. And then what I realized halfway through this film is that while I had not seen the movie, I had listened to another podcast talk about how wild this movie was. <laughs> what? And then realized I was like, oh, my God, is this the movie where at the end... Oh my God, it is. And then from there, it was just a wild roller coaster ride. Oh my um, God. I hated this movie. Yeah. It's terrible. And I cried at the end because it was beautiful on some level. What? <laughs> uh, uh, when the treehouse fell? 
Okay, that guy did not have to die. He did not have to die. There's a very easy way to live through that Swiss Family Robinson sort of thing, and he would have been fine. But I rewrote the ending because I, in the moment, realized that they should have done a much better ending. I I realized part of the way through this film that I feel like Blythe Danner and Zac Efron should have hooked up. Is Blythe Danner the ex? No, Blythe Danner's the grandmother. Oh, yes. I love her. First off, she is a national treasure. Yeah, she's Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Oh, wait, Is she really? Gwyneth Paltrow's mom? She's Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Again, an- another alternate version. His name is Logan in this movie. What if this movie was exactly the same, but he was Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah. Hey, Just honestly, picture it. Picture it. It'd yeah. be so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing would change. Nothing changes. <laughs> Literally nothing changes. He is just Wolfery. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that that's how they got Zac Efron to do this movie. <laughs> he was like, is this the new X-Men? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure it was. Definitely. They convinced him by calling him Weapon X on set and only Weapon <laughs> X. <laughs> I, I have a theory about why Zac Efron did this movie because this falls at a very weird time in his career where he had like come off doing a lot of teen stuff yeah and was clearly old enough to be in you know regular films but was still getting cast in teen stuff and i think for him this was a way to be like i'm a grown man yeah (laughs) i'm an adult please put me in i want to say adult films but that's not what i mean (laughs) (laughs) but i do feel like they got him to do this because they were like man it's a nicholas sparks joint he yeah. just did A Walk to Remember. He just did the murder-suicide movie about the notebook. <laughs> like, yeah, the Ryan notebook. Gosling's mm-hmm. done it. Why Don't you want to be like Ryan Gosling? Yeah, who doesn't want to be mm-hmm. like Ryan Gosling? So, like, he was like... Nobody. He signs up for it, and he, like, sees the end product, and he's like, this was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we were in trouble, because usually when I talk about what movie we're watching, they're like, oh, I love that movie. And, like, all the girls I know who, like, love romantic movies... And men too. But anytime I was like, we're doing the lucky one, they're like, oh, huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't you think the woman was a little too much too old for him? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. That's why I was like, you might as well be Blythe Danner because this this lady is like 40 and he's 25. Even within the narrative of the story, there seems to be a 20-year age gap. I'm not sure why no one is addressing it. Uh, and why Stan from Mad Men had to be the bad guy. He is Stan from Mad Men. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. He's not just the bad guy. He's like cartoon villain levels of evil. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. And I was like, but Stan was so understanding with Peggy's career. And it just colored the whole movie for me. What drove me crazy in this movie is that they will introduce some plot point that is like bad. And then literally three minutes later, resolve it. There's no, like, lingering stuff (laughs) at all. Just like life. This movie just has, it has four Nicholas Sparks movies worth of plot lines in the same movie. That's fair, yeah. And there's such a simpler through line for an almost identical story. Yeah, absolutely. And And they don't take it. They're just, like, every weird twist and turn we can take to get to the same place that's what we're going to do. And it's just I'm here bonkers. for it. Yeah. This movie essentially is a woman taking advantage of her military vet employee and then her ex-husband dying. 
I think the grandmother owned the business. I think so too. We should. We got to get into this. Yeah, we, this we, 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 yeah because we, like we, there's so much to talk. About. We got to get into it. Let's just jump into this fucking movie, guys. Let's talk about it. All right, all right. So Paige is putting her hair up right yeah, now. Yeah, she is ready. She has got to get ready. Crack them knucks. Let's do this. This is our first Nicholas Sparks movie. I'm so excited. He's one of the heavy hitters, man. He he is a heavy hitter and. Here's the thing. I hate love those movies because they're all they're all bad. But some of them are like this where they're so bad. It's good where you get to a point where you're just like, well, this is absolute madness. Yeah. <laughs> like we talk about Stephen King having a coke phase. Has anyone checked on Nicholas Sparks? <laughs> Who, by the way, is like for a long time was like a confirmed bachelor, just like a single straight guy who really? writes romance novels. Yeah. That's wild. What's wrong with writing romance novels when you're like a single guy? Absolutely not. I don't know if you've ever done it. It's super fun. I used to Do you guys write... want to read my uh my, my script? <laughs> I, I wrote one. It's canon when in uh cult podcast. It's come up a couple times. I, <laughs> really? I, they're so fun to write. Like I cannot tell you how much more fun it is to write romance novels than almost anything else on earth. Is it pretty much just like writing porn? Like, how does that work? Yes. <laughs> Oh, I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Uh, it's so much fun. And, and I mean, like, you you go, you go, get to write, like, the in-between parts, too, where people are just like, I didn't know that about you. Well, tell me. I need to know. You know, like, whatever. But This movie feels Mad Libs. Like, he's just like, oh, it does. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure romance novel. <laughs> yes, that's what it feels no. like happened. Do you want to walk to Louisiana? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Turn to yeah. page Hold on to that for like for like two seconds because I have to s talk so much about him walking to Louisiana. I looked up like how long it would take <laughs> to walk from Colorado to fucking Louisiana. Thank, thank God, because I we're going to get to it in a second. But what this movie is, is you know those memes on Facebook where people are like, take the letter from your first name and then the letter from your last name and then the month of your birth and then the day of your birth and that your slutty pirate name or yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> that's what this movie is for plot where it's like pick a location and an architectural feature and a villain and a child but then also pick their weird preternatural abilities <laughs> like her kid's a savant it's weird yeah anyway we open on a boat sailing in what can only be described as a swamp bog uh, with voiceover yeah. uh, and the voiceover is so generic. I like this. I love you so much, Mikey. This first line of the smallest thing can change your life. Yes, I like it. Y'all are y'all are so cynical. It's true. Think of COVID. Um, <laughs> what? You're ridiculous, Mikey. Oh, my favorite is it ends with finding the light means you must pass through the deepest darkness. Okay. All right. You know, are you reading from a fairy tale? What's happening right now? Paige, it's not Voltaire. It's Dr. Seuss. There you go. <laughs> you guys, that's just his like emo poem he wrote on his like high school notebook before he joined up to the Marines. He's conservatively an emo high schooler thrust into an adult custody arrangement. Like this, this, that is this movie. Well, I mean, he what he joined the Marines at 18, stayed till he was 25, and then yeah, that's exactly what just happened. Yeah. 
He has no concept of the real world. That's He has no concept of distances. Uh, right. <laughs> we'll get to it. So from the voiceover, we immediately cut to wartime in Iraq where they're doing a night raid and they're walking through a house, stepping on the most glass. Like, I don't know if they were trying to be quiet, but they failed. Well, I mean, you can't be quiet when you're busting down doors. But yeah, I mean, yeah. they're not trying at all. No, they bust through a door. Turns out it's all civilians. They bust through another door, more civilians. Yeah. And then finally they get to an empty hallway where they basically say all clear. Right. And they take their night vision goggles off to have yes. a chat in pitch darkness. <laughs> And then because they can't see, they get ambushed. Like, why? Why? Wait. You have night vision goggles. Leave them on. It's not like you turned all the lights on. Well, they also accidentally run into another platoon. Sure, yeah. And they almost shoot each other. And then they, then they take their night vision goggles off. Before we move on, I do want to highlight that the first minute and a half of this film is in night vision until they take the goggles off. <laughs> uh, You're not that's wrong. The dark Paige. is dark to find the lightest light. Okay. Oh, the night vision's a metaphor, Paige. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I don't think this movie has any metaphors. I don't think it knows what a metaphor There's is. There's no subtext. It's just text. There's oh. absolutely <laughs> no subtext in this movie. At they all. come close to subtext, and then another character will come and be like. No, this is exactly what this all means. And you're like, oh, thanks for explaining the movie to me, side character. Yeah, thank uh, you so much, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so shots are fired from above. One of his friends in the platoon gets shot trying to help someone, and that friend's name is Aces. Yeah. It's not his friend. That's a different platoon. Yeah, different sergeant. platoon. Okay, no, yeah. you're right, you're right, you're right. So after the raid, the next morning, he sees something shiny on the ground. Can I just say... It is like a mirror reflecting the yes. sun into his eyes. And he walks yeah. over to pick it up, and it's a dusty picture. Yes. That would not reflect anything. And then he spits into her face. What? He spits into the face of this photograph and then wipes it off with his thumb and is just like, hmm, a lady. And then someone calls to him. He's about to walk over to them, and an explosion goes off. Yeah. Uh, just feet from where he's standing, exploding where he would have been seconds later and kills um, the two guys that were there yeah yes so the very next shot is him coming to and it's all blurry oh yeah and the there's an uh his friend who we learned victor yeah is handing him that same photo and he's basically telling him what we just saw which is there was a mortar right where you were sitting three other guys didn't make it and then what he says is but the coroner found this in your pouch and then he hands this back and i was like why would the coroner just be going through the bags of people who are not dead like <laughs> what is happening so what we learned is the coroner is a thief and he just Pick goes pocket. stealing shit yeah and he felt like he should return this photo that also doesn't belong to you right also they just may have just assumed he was dead for a little bit maybe I, that's what I, I think it must have been um but so his friend basically says we saw you Pick it up. It looks like it saved you, which that's a weird age. Yeah, you know, this is when the side conversation. Paige, this is when I was like, oh, this movie's terrible. Because this soldier's like, hey, man, this photo must have saved your life. It's really lucky you could keep it around you the whole time. I was like, okay, this is like the plot of the movie. Like, he's yeah. explaining the plot of the movie. Yes, he is. And then he never shows up ever again. Well, he does. He's the one who dies in, in the tank. As he's talking about how good luck of a charm the picture is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey. So he tells him it's a guardian angel and then he flips the picture over and it says keep safe 
ex. Yeah. Which I took to mean like a kiss. Which I don't know is appropriate to send your brother. We don't know it's his. Well, here's the thing. We don't know it's the brother at the time because we don't find out it's the brother until 40 minutes into this movie. But if I were to find if I were in Zac Efron's shoes, in my mind, clearly this is someone's wife. Yeah, I thought it was the whole or girlfriend or yeah. Until the ex shows up and literally feels up on Zac Efron later in the movie. I thought it was her husband that died because that would have been a better movie. That's the movie I think this should be. Yeah. If I were rewriting this, fuck the crazy ex-husband. He's not in it anymore. No. The husband's the one who died. And the quote unquote villain in the story is grief. Like, we don't need a physical villain. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I don't want those well-made movies right now. (laughs) I want this movie. Because this movie goes places other movies refuse to go. Yeah. Like to an army rave, which is where it goes next. (laughs) Now, I have to talk about, I, I rewound it. I was boggled okay. because. Okay, Paige, I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to let you finish, Paige. But I have to talk about the soldier who brought his service weapon, like his assault rifle, in. And he was playing it like a guitar. That's not part of trigger safety. He's like literally strumming his assault rifle like a guitar. He is not the only one. I have this in my notes, too. Okay, okay, okay. This is why I had to talk about this. So, first of all, obviously, uh, bands, comedians, people go over and perform for the troops all the time. That's a thing. I have a few friends in Nashville that do that full time. That's their job. I know a bunch of people that have gone and done stand-up for the troops. They love it. It's everyone raves about doing it. They say it's great. Yeah. It's usually big shows. It is. This show is like 19 people. It's like CBGB's. Like but when it before uh, it closed down. Like it's it's like a very small punk type show. I think this is the house band, you know? Uh why would there be a house band in Iraq, Mikey? They, those are just four guys that learned they could play instruments and they started to make a band and they got their tent and they, you know, they're <laughs> living the dream. First, first of all, how'd they get their instruments over there? Secondly, none of n- none of them have the haircut. These are clearly people who traveled there specifically yeah. to inflict their sound upon their, people. Their superior officers let them grow out their hair when they became important <laughs> musicians to morale. You guys, you guys really need to suspend your disbelief. <laughs> Yeah, Mikey, we're the problem with this movie. Uh, absolutely. So it's it's the smallest concert ever, which means they just didn't have money for extras is, is what it means. Yeah. Um, but then on top of that, I noticed at least three of them dancing with guns. So there's yeah. the guy that's strumming and then there's another guy that's like hugging his gun and like swaying. And I was like, this is a punk show. What's happening? And he's going through and asking people like, do you know whose picture this is? Have you seen this boy? I'm right. Robert Patrick. I'm about to. <laughs> Which I like. I like that he was trying to return the picture. Yeah. Right. And as he does it, he encounters multiple people who are dancing while holding guns. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And it's two minutes into this movie. Paige, I live in the South. I'm, I've danced with a weapon. I'm, an AK? It's an AK, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that this scene's like 20 seconds long and we've talked about it for 20 minutes. It, because it's the most baffling 20 seconds I have witnessed with my own two eyes in forever. Until later in this movie. <laughs> yes, until later in this It was a little bit after this when I texted Mikey and said, I'm 10 minutes into this film and I have three pages of notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we cut to eight months later and we know it's eight months later because it says it on the screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're traveling in. It's not a tank. It's um a Humvee. 
It's it's like a Humvee, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like an armored personnel carrier, I think is what it was. Right. Zach Efron's driving. His friend Victor is in the back seat, and he's talking about the photo where he's basically saying, I'm telling you, you got to set eyes on that girl. You got to thank her. And this is where we see Zach Efron put the photo. He kisses it, and then he puts the photo in his helmet, yeah. which means that it's just like covered in head sweat all day. Hell Good thing yeah. it's laminated. So he puts the helmet back on. We get a close-up of a water bottle. During this conversation, we hear that they've had a bunch of close calls, but they always seem to seem to stay safe. Yeah. And at that point, there's another... We don't know if it's a shot or an explosion. I'm guessing explosion. I assumed it was like an IED. Yeah. Because I think the Humvee turns upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the coolest thing about this, and the only cool shot in this movie, is the water bottle kind of like explodes and melts as it blows apart, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And then Um, Zach's face is all like sound waved out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's great. Confession time. So after I got done watching this movie, I was like, this was so bizarre. Yeah. I was like, I've got to read what the synopsis of the novel was because none of this makes any sense. Oh, my God. Yes. So in the book. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going there. Zac Efron's character, Logan, has a gambling problem. He loses a bunch of money in poker in Iraq until he finds the photo. It also helps with his good luck charm. He starts winning a bunch of poker because that. That guy who told him that the, the picture's good luck yeah. was like, yeah, play, he got him back in the poker game after he survived the IED blast. He wins a bunch of money in poker, and it's like a good luck charm. It just becomes this good like poker charm and a good luck charm in the, uh, in the, in the war zone. Because I was like, why? What is, none of this makes sense. So apparently he had a gambling problem, and he would, like, he would like take the photo off and rub it, and he'd get a good hand or whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your choice of words there concerned me a little bit. <laughs> well, so we cut to, after this explosion, Zac Efron is sitting at a bus terminal, yeah. uh, and he's triggered by gunshots in a video game, which is a super common thing for people who come back from war. Same thing with fireworks. It's it's really sad, you know, like, but that's, it's going to come back a little bit too, where he's not fully okay. Yeah, he's got some PTSD he's struggling with. Which I think is completely understandable. He's done three tours in a war zone. Yeah. The next shot is him walking home from the bus. Uh, And this is insane. (laughs) No one wanted to pick him up. I know. What the hell? Okay. And I'll say this. I get that he likes to walk places. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But I understand that, you know, this is a world in which this character likes to walk places. If your son, if your friend, whoever had been in war for at least eight months, right? We knew he was over there for at least eight months. You would go there and pick him up. Or if he demands to walk home, you'd go there and walk home with him. Like, yes, yes. Where's the welcome wagon? No, it's it's not even that. He's been in war for six. He's done three tours, and tours are two years each. Like, he's done, he's been at war for six years. I mean, yeah. I mean, he'd yeah. probably come back in between. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, my point is still valid, Mikey. Well, I mean. The only person it. who's excited to see him is his dog. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the next few scenes, you learn that his brother's family really just doesn't give a shit about Yes, because okay. So first of all, the the kids the kids run out from the garage and they do not recognize him. Right. And part and they don't even know who he is. And I was like, did they not tell these children that their uncle was coming home to live with them? Like, why didn't anyone know he was coming? It's terrible communication, at least. Yes. Then we cut to inside the house where the kids are playing video games, which does trigger him again. He drops a dish. Mm -hmm. 
But then these kids are assholes about it. Right. Oh, so Paige, Paige. Okay, okay. So Paige, did you see the kid with the camcorder, the handheld camcorder following the kid who's about to be an asshole walking in said, you're going to be famous on YouTube. Like, yep. <laughs> he literally yep. they're doing this to like, quote unquote, prank someone with PTSD, which is yeah. a horrible thing to do and a very bad idea. Is this is this where he choke slams the kid? Yes. Yes. He does. <laughs> Which is my favorite part of the first 10 minutes. That sure. kid had it coming. That kid had yeah, it coming. I I will say that he did have it coming. I mean, he straight up WWE style. The kid scares him. He turns around, grabs the kid by the neck, goes straight all the way up in the air, and brings him all the way back down. I was like, damn, that's yeah. a choke slam. He's got well, PTSD. And he apologizes. Yeah, he's yeah. got PTSD. Yeah, he's got PTSD. And he was like, you got to watch out, brother. You got to yeah, come in yeah. the ring. You gotta snap into all the Slim Jims you can. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, but listen, PTSD is not a funny thing to no, joke about. No, it's not joke. But no, like this kid got what he deserved because he was messing with someone in a way that he should not have been messing with him. And the parents knew. The parents knew he had PTSD. Yes. And they should have told the kids. Agree. No loud noises and things around yes. him. Yeah. And then his sister. Is that his sister or is it his brother? That's. No, that's his sister. And and after he choke slams the kid, he does apologize. He feels terrible. He does, right? Absolutely. He choke slammed a nine year old. I yeah, get it. And but it was it was all like it was all reflex. It wasn't like premeditated. Like he wasn't sitting there awake. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to choke slam his fucker. Uh, we don't know that. I, I don't. <laughs> we don't. You know. Mikey trying to trying to defend it. The the sister comes in and the, and the look <laughs> on her face is like, how dare you? And I was like, yeah. why didn't you tell your kids not to? But then she follows it up with, you know, the core can get you some help which is spoken like someone who has never tried to navigate the va and so <laughs> oh, yeah in a way she's blaming him for it and i was like what is wrong with you from a mental health perspective look at the language she uses there yes the core can get you help it's not like yeah we can get you some help we need to get we need to get you some help there's no we there it's like it's a you statement it's a yeah you need help you need help blah 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 like, well, not that and our kids or our family are going through something hard well, here's the thing. What she should have said was, I apologize. I'm sorry. This is a misunderstanding. Let's all talk to the kids about how we can make this work. Yeah. Right. And then let me help you navigate the waters of the VA because it is difficult, but you can get yeah. help if you have that issue. Or like, okay, so my kids are brats. Let's let's th let's talk about like maybe getting you a place or whatever. Yes. You know, like, what, yes. What's your plan? Absolutely. Instead, he's like, you know what I'm going to do is walk to Louisiana for no reason. <laughs> Well, so first he sits down at a laptop and just says, why did I make it out when so many guys didn't? To no one. Yeah. Just to the laptop. <laughs> oh, did he say that out loud? <laughs> yes. yes. This is dialogue. He speaks aloud into the world. Like he puts it out in the universe. <laughs> That's why I typed it down because I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I like movies without any subtlety. <laughs> I like to just know the thoughts oh. and the important themes of the movie because they tell yeah. them to me. He has less than 20 lines in this entire movie, and this is one of them. As a character, he don't not talk a lot. He doesn't talk. <laughs> He's just yeah. sti silently staring at people most of the time. Honestly, his dog has as many lines as he does. It's in just the first about 30 minutes of the film, they're like, they set up this thing where, like, he might tell her a joke at some point, 
And it never pays off. It never. He never says one funny thing the whole film. I don't. I don't think he knows any jokes or how. And and by the way, that's set up an hour into the movie. Oh my! It should have been thirty minutes in. Mikey, I will say that he just said a funny thing in this scene. (laughs) Why did I make it out when so many others didn't? What'd you say? His sister's in the other room. What'd you say? (laughs) (laughs) The kids are like, I'm getting this on YouTube. Like, they've been videotaping the whole time. And then he's like, shut up, I'm Googling lighthouses. (laughs) Okay, okay. So he finds the lighthouse in the background of her photo by, like, matching it. Yeah. And I was like, what are the odds? So I calculated them. Oh, no way. (laughs) There are 700 lighthouses currently active in the United States. Assuming that he spends one minute looking at each lighthouse. That's not counting how long it took him to look for each lighthouse. I'm just saying that let's say there's a database where he's looking at each lighthouse once. That would take him approximately 12 hours straight to view every lighthouse in the United States, assuming that there are photos of each one and each one is unique enough to compare and rule out within one minute. Now, um, Paige, I don't think you should underestimate the amount of thirst a man can have. <laughs> when in this house did he get 12 uninterrupted hours to jerk it to lighthouses? <laughs> On a shared computer. It's just one night. He doesn't sleep because of his PTSD. So he has plenty of time to search lighthouses where everybody's asleep and talk to himself. Yeah, so, you know, let's call it 12 hours if he had to look through all 700 before finding right. the mm-hmm. one that he says is in Hamden, Louisiana, which is not a real place. It is um, not. The closest analog and the lighthouse that they use in a lot of photos is South Pass, Louisiana. Okay. So I did some real estate calculations based on the surrounding area. The closest is essentially the suburbs of the uh, New Orleans metro area there's not a ton right around the lighthouse so the new orleans suburbs are the closest we can get but after this he leaves a video message for his sister styled like a manifesto like (laughs) it's the type of video that you see on the news followed by he shot 14 people in cold blood but he seemed like such a nice guy like that's the video (laughs) and she's like sitting at the table watching it crying as if he's killed 14 people because that's the kind of video it is you know she didn't think anything good was gonna happen right and he steals the dog And then straight up walks to Louisiana. Yeah. Look, I don't know if you guys have seen a really good movie called Rambo First Blood. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow, Mikey. Sometimes, sometimes when you get out discharged, you just got, you just got to, you got to walk. Okay. But so this is the same movie. The sheriff doesn't like him either. (laughs) (laughs) That Okay. That's how they got him to be in this movie. It's like Rambo First Blood. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Zach, have you seen Rambo First Blood? It's a classic made Stallone's career. Yes, I've seen it. Have you seen The Notebook? Yes, I've seen it. Have you seen Clue the movie? We're going to mix all three together. Have we have you seen Reindeer Games? Because this movie is literally Reindeer Games. Oh my god, you are yes, absolutely. With Ben Affleck? Yes. Yes. Because he's in prison and the guy gets killed, but he has the picture of the sister, so he gets out of jail. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, it is Reindeer Games. Wow. So this whole section 
where he's walking to Louisiana is just a montage of him walking through different places with the dog like it's nothing. Like it's totally easy. And I just kept typing how far is he walking? Like, where did he start to end Chicago. up in Louisiana? He started in Chicago. No, he started in Denver. He started oh, in Denver, I, Colorado. I thought it was Chicago. No, that would have been about the same amount of distance, though, I think. But also, I just kept thinking while I was watching it, why didn't he ask his sister for bus fare? Like, he knew where he was going. He's got money. Why didn't he take the bus? <laughs> Because like, he likes uh, to walk. Yeah. Rambo first blood page. <laughs> <laughs> but even that is a shorter distance than what we're establishing here. Like Rambo walked a fraction of the distance. Yeah. So can, can we talk about how far yes, that would be? Okay. Please. So yeah. he walked conservatively 1,325-ish miles. Just to be the man who walked the tenor door. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my God. So what you're saying is once he got to like Oklahoma-ish, he started singing the Proclaimers and then yeah. he walked the remaining 500 miles to be the man yeah. who knocked at her door. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. All right. So anyway, it would take you a little over 17 days if you walked straight for 17 days. And that's no stops. That's 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's no 24 stops. hours a day, no stops. So it took him a month. No, it would take much longer than that. It's it's like roughly 410 hours. So let's just oh say God. you walk 10 hours a day. Which would be excruciating. Yes, that's 41 days of walking. Oof, because I had this in my notes where I was like, that's Oregon Trail levels it is. of distance. It is. And those people, many of them died. <laughs> like, that's insane. Logan died of dysentery on his walk to South no. Pass, Louisiana. Y'all, that hobo life is real. He donner partied that dog like two days ago. <laughs> like, it's just... Oh, that's the thing. And then he gets prettier as the more he walks. Yeah, it's called cardio, Mikey. <laughs> but his feet would be <laughs> terrible. It would just be giant swollen squares of meat. It's just bad. <laughs> I was thinking he would show up and he would have like a long beard and he would look homeless, like a homeless vet. And like, how was he shaving and cutting his hair? He's got money. I bet he stayed in hotels. Like, I bet occasionally we're he would just stay not in a hotel seeing it to shower. Yeah, I mean, he would probably I, shower every third day and he'd shave. And yeah, I mean, you're right. He does have money, so he's probably like a vacation. He's like, I'm just gonna walk. What I think would be really funny is if he's been telling everyone he walked this whole time, but he walked for like three days that we saw in that montage, and then just like got on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but he eventually does get there he eventually does get there and he gets to the wharf where he's asking fishermen about the girl in the photo none yeah. of them know her it's very cop from terminator 2 uh that's the place where the photo was taken yeah, yeah. It, it is a wharf mm -hmm. then he goes to a local dive bar where he does find someone who knows her. We find out that it's a friend of the husband, and then that person disappears for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. we don't see him until he tries to fuck everyone's shit up. Yes. I think he should have been the deputy, and then you wouldn't have had to have this yes. extra character. That'd be great. Exactly. Yeah. That would have made way more sense. Um, but he tells Zac Efron that her name is Beth Green, and that she runs a pet motel, yeah. which is the most romance movie job I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And it was at this point in watching the movie because here's the thing i don't like 
rom-coms all that much and mm-hmm. i make fun of them a lot yeah and i constantly make fun of the fact that in most hallmark movies someone turns out to secretly be santa and so when mikey was watching this <laughs> i kept texting him asking who the secret santa was yeah and it was at this point when she was like oh she runs a pet motel i was like this would make more sense if she was santa like that's the exact <laughs> amount of sense that this would make like if it was like oh she runs a christmas tree farm but also her eyes twinkle i'd be like exact same amount of sense exact same amount of santa santa uh. this is the best part of this movie this one scene because it's just an exposition drop like crazy it's this it's this scene is the second act of every law and order episode where it's like (laughs) yeah she used to be married to a buddy of mine haven't seen her around lately though i think she lives over by the jenkins place just like how does this one character know everything i had a huge crush on her in high school that's sort of what he says what he says is you don't look like that and not have everyone in town know your business or something like that which is insane right this whole conversation's insane. He's That's not true. stacking. He's not stacking crates or cleaning a glass, and I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, pool. Honestly, Paige, what we needed was iced tea in the corner saying, "Wait, you telling me she runs that animal motel down the way? Wait, you telling me that she runs a motel for dogs? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's like this is deep Louisiana at a dive bar with all males, and you're telling me that they're going to use the phrase. Pet motel and not be right. like she boards dogs. Yeah, it's that, it's that dog place off yeah, Highway yeah. 14. Yeah, yeah. So we then cut to Green Kennels is the name of it because her last name is Green. That makes sense. But that her her kennel seems to take place at some sort of plantation mansion. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't really find out until a little bit later that it's her house. Yeah. And she's running it out of basically the stables, the old carriage house. Yeah. I have a question about the film. Yeah. because I have ma- I have many questions about yeah, this I film. Mean, yeah, we all do. There's a weird montage where like half the house is closed down with like blankets on everything. I have notes about that later. <laughs> I thought that that was a different house. Is that a different house or is that her house? It is not. That is the same house. I know, but I thought for a long period of time it was a different house. But yep. three people live in that house. Why is it shut down? So here's my theory, because there are clues throughout in the house. I'll point them out as we go along. But mm. when her brother died, she effectively removed or covered anything that reminded her of him. And the movie never explicitly says it. Yeah. But it does show it. It does. And that was the piano room. So everything in that room, they, yeah. See, they needed a character to come up and be like, hey, she covered everything in that room because it reminds her of her brother. Ice Cube walks in and be like, wait, you mean to tell me she covered the (laughs) piano because she misses aces? So here's here's the only reason I realized that that was what was going on, and it's a couple scenes from now. Picture in the dresser. No, it's before that. Oh, shit. You caught it before me, then. I caught it before that because her gallery wall was busted. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, I was drinking. Oh, my God. I almost lost everything (laughs) on my nose. (laughs) What we will find out as we get into the house is that she apparently lives in an anthropology store or a West Elm. (laughs) (laughs) She's rich, man. That's a classy house. Super rich. And if you want to have a successful gallery wall, ask my sister to design it for you. But like, if you want to do it yourself, the pictures have to be close together. And 
they show a shot of her gallery wall with huge gaps in it. And I was like, bitch, that's not how you hang pictures. And then I noticed there were hooks where the pictures were gone. Oh, and then okay. later we do see them in her in her dresser. And then she then goes and hangs them back up, uh, completing yeah. the wall. I think you mean in her underwear drawer. It was. Yeah, right. why are you keeping pictures of your brother in your underwear drawer? <laughs> Another <laughs> nod that it should have been her husband that died and not uh, her thank brother. Thank you. It got to the point where I was wondering if that was the original story. Because I haven't read this book. I've read A Walk to Remember. I've read The Notebook. haven't read this one. Since I read the synopsis, I will tell you that it's still her brother. Okay. (laughs) What the hell, Nicholas Sparks? What are you doing? He's like, why? (laughs) It's definitely got to be your brother. He's like, hey, 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 listen, listen, listen. Do you guys read Flowers in the Attic? Okay, what if that but boats? Like, that's what he's <laughs> positing. Anyway, so we see in this scene where he first shows up, she's clearly overwhelmed. She's trying to run the business. She does say on the phone that Kevin doesn't work there anymore. Yeah. Um, which I guess was their last helper that no longer works there. I assumed it was her last boyfriend who she broke up with and then also had to fire because she has a habit of dating her employees. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Mikey, careful. (laughs) Here's why that would make sense. Because as we see later in this film, her ex runs off anybody that she gets close to to Mm -hmm. and involves herself with. So it would not surprise me, and this movie doesn't tell us about it, but it wouldn't surprise me to find out that, you know, Zac Efron is one in a line of dudes and he's just the one that fought back. Yeah. So... He's about to tell her, like, I actually I'm here to find you. And she's like, oh, you saw her ad for a job. Great. It's six days a week. And I was like, what kind of jackass work week is this? Like <laughs> six days a week? Um, <laughs> Mandatory overtime and weekends. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so he's he's telling her about it. And he says, I worked with bomb dogs. And she says, oh, you were a cop. And he says, no, I was a Marine. And she instantly switches. Yeah. It's, it's almost like by Marine, he said, no. I was a vampire. Like, just, <laughs> her reaction is immediate. I honestly feel like it would have been better if he had said that because then she would have been like, oh, so you can only work nights? But instead, she treats <laughs> him like being a Marine was a, is a bad thing. Like, I don't know. It's It seemed insane to me. Because when she first said, why don't you just not fill that out? I was like, oh, she's just going to go ahead and offer him the job. That's, That's what, what I, I thought. thought. I know. And then she's like, now get the fuck out. Like, like what? <laughs> Did well, he mention walking there from Louisiana? Yes. Yes. That's what it was, Todd. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, no. Because see, she's like, you don't have to fill that out. Just give me your phone number and I'll call you, which clearly means she's not going to call. Right, Mikey? You've heard that before. Yeah. I mean, me too. And then then she kind of like turns on a dime and she's like, why would somebody drive from Colorado to Louisiana anyway? What are you hiding? And he was like, "I, I wouldn't know. I walked. And she was like, you walked? Then she says, excuse me for a minute, and walks outside to Gwyneth Paltrow's mom, who can't train dogs, uh, and is like, get rid of the crazy guy. And I'm like, why are you sending the old woman into the man who... He did say, I'm here for you. He did say some very red flaggy statements in his job interview. If someone walks from Denver to Louisiana and then walks up to you, Paige, and says, I'm here to find you, that person is there to kill you. See, I headcanon... (laughs) <laughs> I I thought that she didn't register that because she doesn't seem to register it for the rest of the movie. Yeah, she forgets it conveniently forever. Yeah, yeah. immediately. It's plot-driven amnesia, Mikey. Yeah, uh, and so 
Blythe Danner comes in and she's like, are you crazy? She thinks you're crazy. And I was like, way to blow up her spot, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. I think Blythe is the best part of this movie. She is. She's the best character. I love her down. to death. Yeah, I didn't realize she was Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. So she asks him, why do you want a job cleaning cages? Why did you walk here from Colorado? <laughs> and he says, it seems like peaceful work. And what he doesn't say is, I'm stalking your granddaughter because I've been carrying her photo in my hat. Uh, which is what is actually happening. You make it sound like he's Johnny Appleseed okay, walking okay. Colorado. <laughs> well, like, he wasn't wearing it in his hat. He wore it in his helmet, and then when he left the war, he put it in his wallet or something. Yeah, he's been playing the seeds of love. Yeah. Okay, here's what I don't get. At any time, he could have been like, I found this photo, and coincidentally, when I was finding it, a bomb went off, and it saved my life, and I tried to find who owned the photo, but it was a good luck charm. It got me through my tour. It meant a lot to me, and I know this is really weird for you, but I had to find the person this belonged to, and I think it would have gone fine. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think him not saying it makes it weird. Yeah. But yeah, right? And then, like... <laughs> And I think I don't think they would have gotten together or anything. I think he would have walked back to Colorado no, th- or whatever. I think but he could have been like, I think he would have still got the job. I mean, I- oh, you mean if he wanted to stay? Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, essentially, he is just a weirdo drifter at this point in the movie. So he he is a hundred percent a drifter. He walked here from Colorado. I know he drifted from Colorado. <laughs> he drifted. <laughs> he didn't use any meth to get there. Allegedly, he didn't need to. <laughs> Allegedly. I think he was just high on picture luck, but he, he he also somehow in this scene is the dog whisperer. Yeah. Where like he immediately is just like down, like doesn't even give commands. And the dog is like psychic. Got you. And like hangs out. I got so jealous. <laughs> that part of the movie, because like, I watched it with my dog and she was like, she was super into the movie because all the dogs and Thor, the, his dog's name followed so many commands and was so loyal and nice and like i just got so jealous i just need to point out that this movie is about someone finding their person right and mikey wishes that he was caesar milan in this movie (laughs) 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 he doesn't doesn't want to be zach efron he wants to have the ability to train his dog. That's fine. No, I wanted to be Zachary, and I was like, can I make my dog just sit there? Like, <laughs> but, th- but that's the part of being Zach Efron that you want. Right. It's just the dog training. <laughs> like, you're like, no, I want to look and sound exactly the same. I don't need the girl. I just need the dog training skills. No, no, no. I'll be vulnerable <laughs> with you guys. I'll be vulnerable. Yeah, I wanted to be Zac Efron in this movie. He wanders in, gets a good job. His dog listens to him. He meets a woman. Right. She's got a kid that she's nice to. The kid is cool. Yeah. And the, the grandmother loves him. And they're genius. obviously super rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the ex, you don't have to worry about it because he's like so over the top douchebaggy that it's like, oh, they'll never like get back together because he's probably going to be killed or something because he makes enemies so quickly. He's probably going to die like the villain from Swiss Family Robinson later. <laughs> oh, my God. That is exactly how he dies. Yeah. The third act of this movie plays out like st- like a Star Wars film. It's so dramatic. Uh, so Blythe Danner's clearly trying to set them up immediately. Oh, yeah. She doesn't ask any questions. She's just like, oh, hey, a drifter well, sounds the- good for my granddaughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm not sure the bar could get much lower after her ex-husband, but, you know. Uh, yeah. He was very talented in advertising on Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> you're, okay, you're mixing up people, all right? Yeah, his character was really not great. It was not, I, 
in my notes of the movie, I said, the ex is not a good dude. So what you're saying, Mikey, is you didn't take detailed notes. I <laughs> So next up, he buys what I can only describe as a hoarder house. And so I found one in the same condition on Zillow in the greater New Orleans metro area suburbs. Uh, it's a three bed, two bath, about 1600 square feet for $59,000. Okay. So legit. I think he could buy that. I mean, he probably had that saved up. He did three tours. You don't really spend a whole lot of money when you're there. Right. And you're getting active duty pay. I bet he's banked a good amount of money. So fun fact, he could actually afford it on the job at the kennel. I can prove it. Oh, so, no. His average mortgage, give or take, depending on his credit, would be about $275 a month, which means he makes he needs to make at least $800, but closer to $1,000 per month to qualify for a standard home loan. If minimum wage is $7.25 an hour, I'm assuming they're paying a minimum wage because they're a you know, mom and pop business, yeah. and that $7.25 is federal minimum wage, uh, that's what I was finding for 2012 in that part of Louisiana. I could be wrong. Um, it's full time because six days a week, I'm assuming. It's probably um, 48 hours a week. It, it's at least 40. And at yeah. 40 hours a week, he'd be making about $1,200 before taxes, roughly 800 after taxes. So oddly enough, he could afford that house. Nice. That's like Isn't one that of the wild? only movies where it actually checks out. I when I finished doing the calculations, I was like, "You got to be shitting me!" This is the, like, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Nicholas Sparch does meticulous research. The, oh, clearly, yeah. The dog kennel guy can afford a house, and the, it works this time. It actually works this time. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, oh man. Yep. He he starts getting there early to start fixing stuff around the kennel. Blythe so, Danner clearly loves him. This is like the, you know, they don't have a man around the house anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes the man around the house. So he's like fixing stuff uh, and he gets there early to fix stuff. I mean, he, we find out he's like a mechanic who's who can also play the piano. And he, so just, like, he could do anything like whatever they need. He's an expert at, which is insane to me. Everyone in this movie is that way. I know. Where, yeah. Like the kid can <sighs> do chess, but also magic tricks, but also plays the violin. But then he can play piano and fix all the cars. And then she does the dog kennel, but then also a florist at one point. Yeah. And it's it's madness. This whole movie is madness. <laughs> the kid asks who that is. And Beth. Yeah. Who that is. Uh, the, <laughs> Beth just says. It's just somebody that Nana hired. Just very dismissive. Yeah, But right. this is also, if you listen really close, the kid says she's packing the kid up to go to his dad's house, which is the first time we realize that the dad is not the one that had the photo. Right. He's not the dead guy, right? He's not the dead guy. Right. As she's packing him into the car, the kid says, dad doesn't like it when I practice in the house. And so she says, so you can practice on the porch. Yeah. Which is a wild mean thing to say to your kid yeah to like you're not allowed to practice the thing that you do in the house like that's the first indication for me that his dad is not great yeah and don't worry this is the first of a billion 
indications (laughs) that he is not a great guy. They beat you over the head with it like you're this guy's son. Like, that's how often (laughs) this is brought up. It's crazy. What we find out later, I think, is that the dad just doesn't want the kid to play violin. The the dad is toxic masculinity as a person. In the book, it's more, I think they, I think the movie, you know, has no subtlety. It kind of just rams (laughs) your head into it. In the book, apparently, from the synopsis that I read, the dad just wants him to do sports and is disappointed in him he doesn't have any sports talents yeah so in the movie of course he has all of this other talent where the da- and then the dad's like you're great at violin fuck you yeah yeah it's insane you're a, you're a chess prodigy screw you <laughs> so at this point zach efron gets their old tractor working blythe danner and beth are talking this is where we find out that beth was a teacher yeah um and that she's subbing she's not ready to go back full time uh, but this is where she says, do you think he has an off switch referring to Zac Efron? And Blythe Danager says, I hope not. Wink it, blink it. <laughs> this is where I started my head canon of <laughs> Blythe Danner and Zac Efron in this movie. Why not? Yeah. Uh, he has no chemistry with the actual lady that he's supposed to be with. So Agree. Uh, but he and Blythe Danner get along great. So Oh, the sparks were flying when he was driving her to choir practice. Absolutely. <laughs> so Beth's played by the main girl, the main female lead from Orange is the New Black. Oh, that's who it was. I didn't recognize her. Wow. I can't tell blonde people <laughs> apart. She looks so happy. It's so I know. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but man. the grandmother does not look old enough to be her grandmother. No, I thought it was her mom. Yes, that's what I thought. Here's the weird thing. This movie and every all the set pieces and people in it act like she should be in her early 30s. But that math doesn't work anywhere else because, like, I could potentially have a kid who's about 10. That kid looks about 10. You know, sure. they play him off as younger, but he's, That kid's you know, nine. He's nine? nine in the film. Okay. I think they say oh, it, don't right. they? And she says in the film she got pregnant at 18. At yeah. 18. Yeah, mm-hmm. which would make her about 27. Okay. Yeah. That checks out. This is all checking out so far. So she's two years older than Zac Efron? She's two years older than Zac Efron, uh, but she's established an entire business. She's lost a brother. It's been a year since then. She's clearly been an adult for a while because she was able to go to college, become a teacher. She's been married and divorced. That's a lot of stuff to happen in nine years. Nine years is a long time. I feel like she got married and divorced all while in college. Yeah, yeah. I, that must have been yeah. it. But she's also played by a woman who was easily in her mid-30s. <laughs> that I mean, that is true. You're right. Not that I'm complaining. Because, like, she looks so much older than Zac Efron, who I think is like 23 or 4 when he made this movie. I'm about to blow your mind. So Beth was 28 when they filmed this. Zac Efron was 24. Really? She, yeah. So they just... The makeup department just did her wrong. Right. That's what you're telling me. Damn. I thought she was gorgeous. She just looks wise. I mean, here's what I will say. They dress her crazy. Her her outfits are insane in this movie. Yeah, it's either jean shorts and something. Or a nightgown. She wears three (laughs) different nightgowns. It's wild. Paige, the end of this movie is her in a nightgown. I know I wrote it down because it was crazy because it was also the middle of the goddamn day. Well, her husband got killed like six hours earlier. Her ex-husband, her baby daddy. Oh, my God. We've got to move on. I'm sorry. There's a lot to talk about. Yes. So he 
is alone in the kennel office and a cop shows up and he is a cocky asshole. He asks a million questions, doesn't tell him any information about who he is or why he's there. He literally does like an illegal search and seizure pack yeah. type yeah. thing. Yeah. He's like, what are you doing here? And Zach Efron's like, I work here. And he says, that's for me to say. Like, yes. Sir. Is it? Yes. Yeah, no. He says something of like, that's for me. We'll see about that. And I was just yeah. like, what? okay. So he bends him over one of the benches, feels him up. Yeah, he does. Pulls out his wallet and then just opens it and goes, soldier boy. And all I could think in my head was, up in it, ho, watch yep. me crank that, watch me roll. <laughs> I know, same, Especially I the same thing, yeah. Because Woo. it was 2012, and I was like, that song was out. <laughs> like, just the way he said it was so strange. Let's talk about this. I really liked that no one faked really bad Southern accents in this film. I appreciated that, yeah. I like that it's in Louisiana, not a single person had an accent, except I, for his dad and then one of the cops. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I'll be honest. I prefer no accent than terrible accents because I can Same. stay in the film. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice it until you mentioned it. This is where we learn that his last name is Tebow, spelled Thibault. <laughs> yeah. So he says they're all out, meaning Beth and her grandmother. Right. Uh, do you want me to give Beth the message? And he just says, tell Beth I'll see her at four. And then just like stomps out, <laughs> which gives us no information other than just like, man, that guy's a dick. Yeah, well, I knew that that was the husband, the ex-husband, yeah. I should say, you know, at that point. And going back to Rambo First Blood. <laughs> <laughs> because that movie and this movie are the only two movies I've ever seen a police officer treat a war vet with any sort of like crazy disrespect. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it happens in real life. If you ask veterans experiencing homelessness, I'm sure they would have some stories for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but like not like a guy at work. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, that's, oh, that's true. It, it is pretty crazy. Right. For a cop to just walk into your office like Mr. Anderson, like it's just a weird thing to happen. Yeah, and we're still at war at this point. Like, that's true. That's oh, you've been in the you've been in the Iraq War. Ooh, Mikey, we're still at war at this point. <laughs> yeah, like well, right now. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we cut to Beth and the kid are getting dressed up to go to someone's house. We find out that they're going to Judge Clayton's house and Blythe Danner doesn't want to go because she doesn't like the posturing and the you know politics of the event we see Beth kind of help her son with his tie and yeah. tell him yes. that he looks good and he did he was so cute he was very cute he they was adorable. have yeah a great relationship we watch them come outside to get in the car and Zac Efron is walking his dog's by them through falling leaves as he always is. Yeah. He, no, he's he's in the background of every scene walking his dog like like where's Waldo? Yes. <laughs> but instead of a striped shirt, it's flannel. It's just <laughs> flannel with a dog. We get to the event uh which is at the judge local judge's house. Um and this is where we meet the evil policeman, but not in uniform. We find out that that's the kid's dad. Yeah. And he immediately criticizes that kid's tie. I know, because any chance this movie gets to show you that her ex-husband's a douche, it takes that chance and shows you he's a douche. This movie comes all the way to basically like him punching the kid without doing it. Like, <laughs> there's I, no way he could be more evil to this kid. I know. I was shocked that he didn't. At, at a certain point in this movie, I was like, is he abusive or what? Is he like, because literally he's done everything else but that. Yeah. 
I mean, he is abusive, just not physically so. That, that, at right. least that we see. He's emotionally abusive. Yeah. Um, what we also see in this movie is he leans in for a kiss and she avoids it and he forces a kiss on her neck. Yeah. It's real uncomfortable. Also, why? They're divorced. This scene made me mad because he was like, ooh, you look so good. I should have never let you sign those divorce papers. Yes. Yes. I hate him so much. He's, I mean, he's good in Mad Men. But yeah, no, no, I know. <laughs> he's good in this because you hate him in this, right? You're supposed oh, yeah. to. It's not hard. It's like you show a character murder a bunch of innocent people. You're like, maybe that guy's not great. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker got a redemption arc, so uh, well. anything can happen. And then Dexter said, hold my knife. But yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Walter White is up next. Uh, so <laughs> he starts immediately badgering her about Zac Efron. Yeah. Who she's not at all into at this point. At all. Which it's almost like he plants the idea in her brain. Well, I, I think Gwyneth Paltrow's mom is the one who planted the idea, but he definitely watered it. Well, I mean, he looks like Zac Efron. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Logan in this movie does have a striking resemblance to Zac Efron. You're <laughs> yeah. right, Mikey. Okay, 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 okay. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. We recast it. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it as a John Rambo movie and be done with it. <laughs> so... This is where we find out that the policeman's dad is a local judge and is currently running for mayor. Yeah. And here's something that they never come back to, but I thought it was really interesting is, so he has criticized his son for the tie. Yes. His dad turns around and criticizes him for the jacket. Yeah. It's learned behavior, Paige. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it almost builds sympathy, but then the movie never touches upon it again, and then he right. just gets worse. Yes, yeah. exactly. The next scene, we see Beth jogging, and again, Zach Efron's just walking around with his dog, <laughs> stalking her. And she comes back from her jog, which here's the thing. I, I think this was meant to be a different day or something, or he can time travel because <laughs> she was jogging. She saw the dog and she was like, uh, and then she comes back to the house. And as she's walking in the house, she's just like, he's so irritating. Yeah. And he's there. He was already. How did he beat her? He walks. <laughs> he doesn't run everywhere. He walks there. Because so, yeah. he's, actually, he's actually Michael Myers. Yes. Well, here's the here's the thing that drove me nuts. Is she's like, he's so irritating. And I'm like, he doesn't even talk to you. He's done he nothing. He doesn't talk to anyone. He just walks around in the background. With his dog. And fixes everything. Yes. He's done nothing but make her business successful and stay out of her way. For minimum wage. And she's just like, he's so irritating. Oh. I'm just like, why? And this is where we get his like family story that he like moved around a lot. This is where I wrote in my notes, what if this movie is actually about Blythe Danner falling in love with Zac Efron, Harold and Maude style? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, I'd buy that. This is also where we find out that he went to college for a year because, quote, he likes to read. Right. And was a philosophy major. <laughs> red flag. I don't think he was a philosophy major. He no, just likes so. philosophy. Liked philosophy. Yeah. No one's a major in their first year. I mean, like, I right. wasn't. I right. did. I came in majored. Oh, wow. I actually, I came in double majored. Oh. I'm a type. Yeah. E personality. Mikey, that's been pretty clear since the onset. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Oh, the I'm just now starting to take notes. You're a type B person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I did not have a major my first year or second year. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I do like this scene because she was like, quote, your favorite philosopher. And he quotes Dr. Seuss, noted Nazi propaganda person. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, you're right, Paige. Fun fact: Zach Efron voiced Doctor Seuss in the Lorax. What? <laughs> so what you're saying to me is not only is he walking his dog through all these beautiful falling leaves, but also that he speaks for the trees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this movie is that he's, it seems like he's walking everywhere, but there's only three backgrounds to this movie. There's yeah. the house, the barn, the lake, and some weird bridge in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just walking in circles. And, and <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just seeing everything take place within that circle, and he just happens to be passing by. Like, he's the unreliable narrator for his <laughs> this story, and we're only seeing the things that he sees as he goes on his daily walks. So we see Beth... Uh, subbing and teaching she is clearly very good at it yeah well and the principal is like hey the lady who you're subbing for is not coming back after she has her baby so we need a teacher and then beth is like no 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 I, i'm not ready right. for all that yeah this is where zach efron again is walking with his dog and comes across the kid fiddling whoa or playing his violin in the treehouse there you go kid fiddling right. does not sound right <laughs> Yeah, there's no kid fiddling in the room. He's playing his violin. Right. <laughs> yeah. We then cut back to, we see a lot more of the house at this point, her house, which this is where I noticed the busted gallery wall. Yeah. Um, her house looks like a, a Martha Stewart living spread. Like it's, yeah. it's perfectly curated. Well, it's Blythe's house, right? It's the grandmother's house. It's it's like the family house. I think so. Where they're watching him through the windows, and she has this look on her face that kind of makes it seem like maybe she's feel some feeling something, but for no reason. Like they've had no interactions. Well, he doesn't have a shirt on. Okay. I, I mean, I will <laughs> grant you that he's an attractive man, so I could sort of see her like staring at him a little bit. Yeah, even though there's no like yeah. emotional connection yet. And she's not dated anyone, and this is a small town, and that's Zac Efron. Yeah. She hasn't dated yeah. anyone since Kevin. He set the bar so low that anyone could have walked from anywhere. I, not, not the husband, Kevin. I Kevin, do, I dude. do like the headcanon of Kevin, the the former employee yeah. slash boyfriend that we've never <laughs> talked about. She did not date Kevin because when she kissed him, she said, "I had not kissed anybody in a very, very long time for years." Well, we don't know how long Kevin's been gone. And also, <laughs> she might just be lying, Mikey. We lie sometimes. Like, oh, yeah, I totally came. <laughs> <laughs> From Colorado, you walked here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So at this point, this is when Blythe Danner asks him for a ride to choir practice. And we finally yeah. get his exposition. He finally gets to talk. Yeah, yeah. She she asks him a lot of open ended questions, which yes. I love. Her. He has yeah. more lines in the scene than he does the rest of the movie. Absolutely, this is where we find out that her grandson, Beth's brother, is who had the picture. Right. Yes. And that's kind of how we're putting this together. This is also where we find out that he's twenty five. He did three tours. This is where she also talks about, and this actually this made me cry a little bit. Oh, because. Page. She talks about how she has learned to treasure the memories that she was able to make with someone, not mourn the memories that will never come. Yeah. Which oh. is a very, like, great way to think about death and grief. It's a profound statement. Yeah. But, yeah, I was just like. Why? <laughs> 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 uh, and then he comes back to the house. 
no one's home and he's walking through the house and this in my notes is where i was like i notice again that there are photos missing from all the gallery walls because there's yeah. multiple gallery walls in this in this house and I just said, headcanon, their wedding pics are pics of the brother. And then that paid off like three scenes later. So <laughs> this is where he plays the piano and the kid is like lightsabering through the house. Um, but he's playing a weird arrangement of the Star Spangled Banner, almost like an accompaniment arrangement. I honestly didn't get that that's what it was. I didn't get that either. I thought he was just playing something random. Yeah. It's the only reason I kept getting it is because it would be like certain portions of the melody and then it would cut to the harmony. And I'm like, yeah. if you were singing this, this is what you would play behind it. But I, it's, and he's playing it slow and it's real strange. It's a really moody version of it. Well, yeah, because it's his piano version of walking he's like this song comes all the way from colorado <laughs> we, we cut to the mom and the kid cooking together and this was my favorite thing the kid did is he just jumps out of the doorway and goes do you like jambalaya <laughs> like, no other information uh and then he just straights up invites him over for dinner without asking or he anything does, yeah i thought that was sort of sweet yeah i like it because the mom's like i'm sure he has plans and he's like I have literally not talked to anyone in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the dog can wait. I left him a lean cuisine. Um, <laughs> at this point, they sit down at the table and the kid is basically having conversations for them. This is where we find out that she had a scholarship to Tulane and got pregnant and went to state instead and that she runs to clear her head. And this is where we find out that that's why he walks. Oh. And he makes a deal with the kid that if the kid can beat him at chess, he'll do the kid's dishes. Little does he know that this child is a chess hustler. <laughs> yes. And, like, the kid obviously has no positive male role models. He attaches to Zac Efron immediately because Zac's, like, nice to him. And shows interest in his interests. Yes. Uh, and this is also where he says, you're the one with the secret. The piano. <laughs> <laughs> and his face is surprised. But you're supposed to feel like Zach Efron feels like it's about the picture. Yes. And you're like, that's ridiculous. There's no way the kid would know about the picture. Right. So like yes. it's like the right. movie, like the movie wants you to be like, oh no, but there, there's no way it could be that. So like right. I don't know. Right. But then also like the picture isn't that big of a deal, in my opinion. It's not at all. No. <laughs> Uh, he's also really good at magic tricks. Yes, and he is. yes. The kid is, not Zach Efron. The kid is. And this is where we find out that the kid doesn't like to play violin in front of people. Yes, he feels he's not good enough. Which is because someone has told him that he's not and he can't practice inside. In like the saddest moment of the film, he runs to go get his magic trick stuff because he asked if he could play violin in front of him. And he said, no, 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 but I'll do magic. He runs off to get his magic stuff and the mom is just like, Yes, he won't play in front of any, like says it in the saddest tone possible. Yes. Because he believes he's not good enough. And might as well just said because of his father. Like right yeah. there. Like you're just like, oh. I want to point out that Mikey thinks this is the saddest moment of the film <laughs> and not when this child's father dies right in front of him. At this at that point, you I mean, like, yeah, I mean, everyone hates the father, including the son. I feel like the very next scene, like the next couple minutes of the scene are actually a little bit sadder where he's clearly so excited that he has someone who will sit through his magic tricks and be interested and give him the time of day that when his mom is like, okay, it's bedtime, it's time to stop doing magic tricks, he flips the fuck out. Yeah, he gets real mad. He's so upset. It's like he's finally found somebody 
then we find out a little bit after that the last person who really invested in him as a male role model was the brother. Yeah. Who's right. now dead. Magic was their thing. And it's been hard on everybody. Yeah. At which point Blythe Danner shows up drunk. <laughs> the, like that's practice. literally the next thing yeah. that happens. Yeah, from choir practice. She doesn't drive home though. It's fine. She's got a DD. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys notice the card that Logan picked as his card was the Queen of Hearts? Yeah. yeah. I love mm-hmm. when movies do those like really sappy, silly things. You're like, yes, Aw. I do too. I he like, chose yes. Beth's card because Beth's his Queen of Hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I loved that she creepily stared at them silently throughout the whole all of these scenes. <laughs> it was just like. you can't see that but it was hilarious (laughs) yes yes play with my child (laughs) i mean she looks like she's like really creeping on him like drooling this is also as they're escorting blythe danner inside he's basically saying i never fully explained why i came here and i can't find the words and she just says another time maybe which for me is like when she eventually finds out about the photo she reacts as if it's a total mystery and she can't believe it ever happened and i'm like He has actively started to tell you this four other times in this movie, and you've been like, don't worry about it. Next time. You never thought that that could be what this is? (laughs) Well, she never gets mad at him for lying. She gets mad at him because it's like, you killed my brother to come here. Which, that is so crazy, but that is exactly (laughs) what she says. I know, but there's no way he killed her brother. Like, and- Oh, we'll have to talk about this when we get to it because I have thoughts. We cut away and we find out that her husband is like staking out the house. Yeah, that dude needs to get on Tinder or something. Like, move yeah. on with his life. Well, we also find out that the reason they broke up is because he just kept cheating on her. So clearly, oh, because he... he was on Tinder and he was he was getting on with yeah. it. Yeah, okay, my bad, my bad. Which you know, this is like seven more tally marks in the scene of like comic book villain ex husband. We cut back to Zac Efron goes home. He hides the photo under his, I assume, philosophy books. Um, And then we have kind of a similar scene where she starts taking the pictures back out of her underwear drawer. Yeah. Of her brother, of her and her brother as kids on like the beach or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And this is where I kind of cried a little bit again, but they go to the grave. And then I realized that we were only 35 minutes into this film. That is two hours long. Yeah. Up to this, we have only covered 35 minutes. We've been recording for almost two hours. Oh, no. No, we're doing it again. Oh, God. So at this point, she shreds the garden as if she has super strength. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to pick up a planter, but they are heavy. Yeah. And then she just, like, attacks the walls with her shears. Well, she said earlier that she runs because she cannot afford therapy, and and it was working. And at this point, I said, this may not be working for you. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, you need actual therapy. Running is not enough. (laughs) Right. And this is where, so Zac Efron, like, you know, bear hugs her to stop her from destroying her house. And she basically tells him that, They were told that her brother was killed by friendly fire and the investigation is ongoing and she wants closure. But this is also where we find out that he helped build that brick wall and like mortared one of her books into the wall. And that was funny to him, I guess. guess? Hey, I ruined your Bronte sister book. Well, 
I mean, if you're going to mortar some books, Bronte is definitely where to go. Oh, <laughs> dude, Natalie would be so mad at you for saying that. She oh, my God. Is she a Jane sister. Eyre fan? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, listen, you're talking to someone who actively does not read, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm just picturing walking past a brick wall and being like, is that the Pelican brief? Like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? It was like her senior yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> hard dicks and where to find them what kind of book is this uh, those were Zac Efron's books it'd be like oh the places you'll go and show them <laughs> one fish two fish red fish brick wall <laughs> I wish he quoted Dr. Seuss throughout the film like it's just silent moments that's true he's got like 20 lines total and one of them is a Dr. Seuss quote <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not in your treehouse. not with the mouse <laughs> <laughs> Beth, I'm gonna fix your boat. I'm gonna make it float. Oh, no! you'll float too. Now the crossover is complete. We get kind of a mini montage of the kid working with the dogs, bonding with Zach Efron, asking yeah. about the dog tags, and he tells him that Marines never leave anyone behind. Yeah. It's his best bud that died. Then the dad pulls up in his non-police car, which is, of course, a Dodge Charger. Yes, but that's not his only muscle car. He has two other. Mu he has a he, police cruiser and two muscle cars. He has a police cruiser and then like a vintage Dodge Charger where he's just like, <laughs> when it looks this good, why fix it if it ain't broke? Like, just ridiculous. <laughs> so this is where Beth does the handoff for, you know, who the dad's weekend where he's taking him to a baseball game. So I thought it was really weird that while she's like really sad and has just destroyed her rose garden or whatever, she went full Melania Trump on it. <laughs> he takes this time to say, you got a great laugh. Oh, yes. Yes. OK, I do remember. It was so weird. She's like she's like real sad and crying. And he's like, I love your laugh. Yeah, I didn't think she was laughing. She wasn't. It's out of left field completely. She, he saw her laughing with the dogs that one time when he was walking by with oh, his oh, dog. I, yeah, I, yeah, sure. But this is not happening in this scene. Which which could be at any point in the movie, by the way. <laughs> so this is his version of small talk. And then she's like, you should tell me a joke over a beer sometime. And he's like, I'll think of a joke. Like, it's no, so no, weird. No. My, Mikey, Mikey, it, it is. She says, well, I'm not laughing now. Why don't you tell me a joke? And he goes, you're going to have to get a few beers in me before I tell you a joke. And she <laughs> right? goes, it's a deal or something like that or right, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then they couldn't laugh like that was his joke, but they don't. No. He just walks <laughs> but guys, off. But guys, wait till you hear the joke he tells in this movie. It's a banger in so much as that it doesn't ever happen. It never happens. <laughs> never tells her a joke. He, he never tells a joke. Like he could have just told a joke right then. And they bring it up at least one more time. Yeah. And he also never laughs in the whole film. No. He's very sad, Mikey. <laughs> so they're loading up the kid to go to uh, a baseball game. She says it's a charity game and asks the dad uh, not to push him too hard. He's such an asshole. Not the kid, the dad. Obviously. Yeah, the, yeah, the dad. He's like, when he's with you, you can do whatever. When he's with me, I make the rules or whatever. I don't know. Right? Something yes. insane so like that. Top, yeah. Right? I'm only going to let him hunt for meat and <laughs> bang strippers <laughs> while he's at your house. He can flower paint and wear women's underwear all he yeah, wants. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what he says. He's like, he ain't going to get no scholarship playing the violin oh so good. He's going to play baseball. Oh, my God. I thought you said no Southern accents, Mikey. Oh, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I'm doing it more than the movie does them. In so much as that you're doing it at all. <laughs> this movie does not. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then the kid, he turns and he's like, I don't want your life. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play the violin. <laughs> Mama said baseball to devil. Uh, <laughs> there's a weird oh. aside in the middle where like they send him off to this baseball game and then Blythe Danner and Beth are doing like a floral charity thing, which is never yes. explained or addressed again. And then no. she comes back to the house and he drops the kid back off. Yeah. And the kid has a bloody nose. And like the kid's like not even like that mad about it. He's like, yeah, I was trying to feel a grounder and it, I missed and I stopped it, which is good. And then I threw the guy out or whatever. But apparently the ball hit him in the face or something that I mean, yeah. it's got to happen in Little League. I don't know. I didn't play. <laughs> I, I played a lot of Little League because I have weirdly strong arms. And so <laughs> if you angle your glove wrong, the yeah. ball will hit your glove and pop up into your face. It okay. So that's like a common well. injury. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, mm -hmm. I played soccer. I didn't play baseball because, you know, cardio. Because the devil, the dad <laughs> is basically like, ah, he's okay. And it's almost like he's proud of him for getting hurt playing he yeah. because yeah. he made the play. And so he and Beth kind of get into it where she says, that boy would run through a brick wall to make you happy. Basically saying your expectations are going to hurt him. Because yes. yeah. he's not going to be what you want, but he's always going to try to be what you want. Right. Yeah. Um, and he gets mad about it and she's like trying do. yeah, like an asshole. Yeah. She tries to calm <laughs> him down. Um, he threatens to take custody of the kid because his dad's the judge. And yeah. then he grabs her arm. And that's when Zach Efron steps in. He's like, I'm your Huckleberry. He does <laughs> He doesn't step in though. He's just leaning on the door frame and says, You better do what she says. And then this person who's never backed down from anything in his life because he's an insufferable douche backs down and leaves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like, It's because they ain't got no medulla oblongata. And then yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, he he backs but, like, down and leaves. So he physically abuses the ex wife. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like every scene he's in, he does something worse than the scene before. And like it started with child abuse. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So he leaves. We cut to inside the house where she's kind of cleaning up the kid from all the blood. Right. And she's asking him about his upcoming birthday party. And he says that dad says I'm getting too old for birthday parties, which what? What? He's what? eight. He No, he'll be turning eight. Turn, yeah, I think it's turning nine. Either way, I'm way older than that. And I want to have a party. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even hear that part, but that makes me sad hearing it now. I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Because you needed more reasons to hate him other than the fact that he just physically abused his ex-wife. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but this is when Zach Efron kind of comes in and checks on her because he knows that what just happened was not cool. And he just wants to make sure she's good, right? So he checks on her. She's good. So he well, starts to walk away. I wouldn't say that she's good because he asks her why she why she won't leave. She basically says custody. And then while yeah. she's doing that, she's dumping clothes in the washing machine and she straight up dumps detergent in without measuring. She's just like <laughs> dumps half a gallon of detergent in there and just like closes it and walks away. And that's how you get. I love Lucy level bubbles yes! like pouring out of your washer. Uh, there was blood in those uniforms. OK, you got to like put extra soap in. 
<laughs> she just like dumps it, doesn't even look. Um, but so, <laughs> well, Zach Efron will just clean it up tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, but so this is where we find out that he kept cheating on her, and she's kind of yeah. trying to co-parent responsibly. And Zach Efron leaves, and then she just does this thing where she like sighs and touches her belly, like that's where the love lives. Where she's just I like, know, huh. and it just fills her up, so she has to run to her front porch. And then yell at him about getting beers. Right. And yeah. cut to Blythe Danner being like, ooh, beers. Can I come? <laughs> like, <laughs> She's probably like, oh, you're trying to take my man. Uh, I smiled literally every time Blythe Danner was on screen. She's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Because it just because it cuts straight to the date night, right? Yeah, she's in a nice dress. She's all dolled up. She's got makeup on. And then she goes to the grandma and she's like, it's just friendly drinks between coworkers. And the grandma's like, mm-hmm. no, it ain't, baby. <laughs> she they're they're having a fun time not telling jokes and <laughs> they talk about almost telling a joke but they never get there they never yeah. get there and she says what time is it i want to show you something and this is where she takes him out to the boat which yeah. they the- don't pay their tab really yeah they yeah, just get that's... she goes what time is it? i want to show you something and then they just get up they and just go. stand up and leave those monsters it is a bar <laughs> so maybe they paid at the bar and then sat down but like yeah they just no regard for tabs i also kept thinking this is louisiana in spring or summer maybe fall anytime it's it's warm enough for them to be out in short sleeves yeah on the water in a swamp mosquitoes yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. This would be gross. It would be gross out there. This is where she decides to reveal for no reason that her parents died in a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot her parents were both dead. Yeah, this is this movie is a choose your own romantic adventure. <laughs> yeah. And we turned to page 87 and it said her parents were dead. Right. This was my dad's little fishing boat. Right. And this is where we find out that her brother learned to drive it at six, which I don't think is legal, (laughs) but that the boat no longer starts. Right. And it's not a small boat. It's basically like a Bubba Gump shrimp boat. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So like her family was like rich. Have you seen their house, Mikey? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, they are rich. Fun fact, Blythe Danner is playing Martha Stewart in this movie. <laughs> so as they're kind of, they've driven back to his house, he drove, and right. because she's a little silly on the, you know, ha-ha juice. And yeah, she's drunk. Paige, you could just say she's drunk. It's okay for a woman <laughs> to get drunk. She's a little drunk, Paige. It's fine. He's an adult. She doesn't get out much. He's a single mom. That's yeah. true. That's true. So they go to her house, his house. They're sitting in the car laughing. He opens the door for her, and she basically says, you realize we'll have to do this again because you never told me that joke. Right? <laughs> and also, they were laughing. Why were they laughing if there was no joke told? For the same reason we are, because it's insane. <laughs> also, he lives in, like, basically a straight-up haunted house. He hasn't... <laughs> Fixed the yeah. house up that much. I mean, he painted. Yeah, I mean, it's fixed he up painted. a little. Yeah, it's not as bad as it was. Well, he definitely put the curtains up on his canopy bed, which is an odd choice for a male. Those are mosquito nets, Mikey. It's <laughs> yeah. Louisiana on the bayou. It's, it's mosquito he's nets. He's got a house. He Well, he's got a house, but his bed is just shipping pallets. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a mattress on top of shipping pallets with sheets thankfully, but they're white, fluffy anthropology, like princess sheets. And then he's got the mosquito netting. No kidding. His house looks like a display in a store for someone being like, 
fancy bohemian. Like that's what it looks like. <laughs> it's real strange. Um, but oh, so they they kiss for the yes, first time. They do, and then the cops show up. Well, you say cops, but it's really just her ex husband. It, it's. I thought it was the other sergeant. It's the yes, the deputy. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not her husband. It's the other one. Wow, they all look alike to me. Well, mm-hmm. but this guy's never met this guy at all. He's like, time for you to go home, honey. It's they're clearly being followed. Yeah. So he has the, his deputy doing his bidding. Yeah, it's pretty rough. So the very next scene we cut to, she's watching him through the windows again, and she's like finger banging the dishes. Oh, I literally wrote in my notes, is this a masturbation allegory? Because she is like <laughs> rubbing the dishes well, while he's working. Uh, like, I think he's unloading the truck of like dog food, right? He's unloading the truck. Here's what's crazy because she is like grinding up against the sink yeah. to the point where I was like, is she masturbating? Has one of the yeah. hands come out of the sink? Because that's what it looks like. And Blythe Danner is watching the yeah. whole thing. And she interrupts it like, oh, well, that's never going to be cleaner. Like referring to the dish that she's been molesting. That scene's in the trailer. What? Is it really? Yeah. Wow. That scene was so uncomfortable. Like it yeah. shouldn't be. I'm gonna take a weird stance. Just let people masturbate in movies. I don't know why this is a thing. Just it's a normal human thing that people do. It's completely reasonable. She made out with him the night before. Absolutely, she would probably be flicking that bean to him the next day. Oh, Just God. let her have this. Let her have this. Mikey's so embarrassed right now. And I'm let like, guys have this too. <laughs> so I don't care. All I'm thinking of is, mom, don't listen to this episode. Whatever. Your mom has definitely done it. Think about that. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. We've gone too far. She is a human woman with needs. Yeah, Mikey. Not my mom. Not my mom. Hashtag not my mom. Everyone's mom. mom. Everyone's mom. Normalize masturbation in movies. I don't know why we don't. We have sex in movies. It's PG 13. That's why we have it in this movie. She masturbates with a pan, Mikey. It's not much different. I'm not Uh, saying we're getting like a full frontal view. I'm just saying (laughs) you have sex scenes where it's very clear that that's what's going on. Why is this different? Why is it weird? (laughs) Because her grandmother's watching her. Yeah, okay, but like, I mean, that's super strange. But if she was just regular masturbating instead of doing the dishes, she would have found a closed room. Right. I mean, (laughs) it would be a weird scene if she's actually masturbating and then the grandmother's like, (laughs) that's about as clean and that's about as much (laughs) masturbating you're going to do there. Uh, Mikey, I would say you could change zero dialogue and it would make as much sense. (laughs) 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 So the very next scene we have he is working on getting the boat started. He's fixing it up. Well, so the, which means he's been breaking into the boat because I thought she knew he was doing this. And then at the end, you find out she did not know. Right. So he's been breaking into her boat every night. Yeah. That's what the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> okay. So uh, he shorts out the electricity. Yeah. So he goes with the flashlight to the house. He sees the kid. He asks him where the mom is. She's in the barn where she has some sort of weird anthropology display in her barn with three or four different vintage lanterns for some reason. All of which she's lighting at once. Yeah. Yeah. Fire hazard of the century. And (laughs) they start making out and the kid ruins everything by asking about the ice cream. But then they start to get hot and heavy in an old rocking chair. And as a person of size, I just want to say risky. Yeah. Like that is a vintage chair. 
People were not this big back in the day. That thing is gonna <laughs> break. Early on in Natalie and my relationship, we were making out on her porch. And she was like sitting on my lap, right? And then probably 45 minutes later, like we didn't do anything other than like make out. But she got off of my lap and I went to stand up and my legs didn't work because like my circulation had been cut off the whole time. And I literally tried to stand up and fall to the ground. (laughs) It was not a good look for someone who you've just started dating. (laughs) You should have told her Uh, when I when I get a boner, I can't walk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. All the blood from my legs. Oh my god. <laughs> the very next scene is the kid's birthday party. And the ex-husband is getting shit-faced. Yeah, cop dad is mad. Ugh. He Ugh. so he follows Beth into the house at one point and he bumps into Blythe Danner and doesn't say anything about it and then they cut to a reaction shot of her where she's just like, "Hey." <laughs> and then yeah. they never address it again, but it's just one more thing where it's like, "See how much of a dick he is? He pushed it's- Blythe Danner." <laughs> <laughs> It's I really know. like. Have you guys seen the movie Weird Science? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's like it's like two nerdy kids were like, let's create the perfect movie villain. And it's like weird. And then like this this ex husband cop comes out and he's like, I'm gonna push an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. This was something that I had been like ruminating on for most of the movie and decided to actually look it up. The guy who plays the evil ex-husband is 5'11 and built like a brick shit house. He's built like my husband. He's huge. He's he's a big dude. And Zach Efron's like 5'6. He's 5'8. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, if the, if this fight actually happened, Efron is losing immediately. Like, this dude is going to just suplex him to death. Oh man. So he follows her into the kitchen and he's like, what is he doing here? And I kind of didn't like this, but she blames the kid. She's like, Ben invited him. It's like, I know. Bitch, you had rocking chair sex with him the other night. And also, they didn't have sex, but also they're like, I mean, they're like dating, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And she sort of does sort of own up to it. Like, you can't tell me who I can see and who I can't, right? Right, right. Well, I I mean, I think that's the thing is like, she's learning to be independent throughout the film. And like, she starts off with like, I don't want to have this fight. Right. Like, oh, Ben invited him because it's his birthday. But then she's like, but even if I was dating him, it's none of your damn business. And I'm like, oh, that's like a, okay. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but this is where he accuses her of being an unfit mother and calls Zach Efron a drifter, which like he is a drifter. <laughs> was Paige. He was a drifter. He is a homeowner now. And employed. <laughs> He's no longer drifting at all. Dude's got a mortgage. Yeah. I know he doesn't have two muscle cars. He's got zero, but he still has a home. <laughs> He likes to walk. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even want a car, Paige. So he threatens to take custody and is a manipulative asshole, and then he smells her hair. Like yeah. A creep. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I like smelling hair, but not in like a creepy way. What? There's no... What you just said was, I like to do this creepy thing, but not in a creepy way. No, like if I'm dating someone and like we're hugging or whatever, okay. I like the way people... I like the way girls I like smell, you know? Okay. I thought you meant just like random people like, ooh, coconut... As opposed to like a person we're dating, because no, if someone tried no. to, if someone I was not dating, or in this case married to, if my husband, someone besides my husband or like my mom tried to smell my hair, I'd be punching them in the throat. It's such a yeah. weird thing to do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
So, Mikey, what you're saying is you don't threaten to take someone's kid away and then lean in for a good sniff? I'm not going to say I've never done it. I'm just saying. He's, he's like, mm, desperation, yes. Yeah, I like to smell the sadness. Oh, my God. So, this is where she and Zach Efron have a conversation about he wants Zach Efron out. She can't lose her son. And he says, I didn't come here to make things hard. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> this is actual dialogue from the movie and it may as well have just been i didn't come here to make things hard but now that i am you've made it hard <laughs> he, he says it's sad he does she basically is gonna break up with him and then Blythe yeah. dander's like are you gonna let him bully you your entire life and i'm just like Ooh, Blythe, yes. Yes. And then, like, some amount of time has taken place between those two conversations, right? Because she's yeah, all yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, like, the next day or two. She throws down with that, are you going to always let him bully you? Yeah, hardcore. Yeah. So then, mm -hmm. the next time Beth goes to drop off her son for custody, she basically says- I love this. This is so great. She says, yeah. you don't want full custody any more than I want you to have it. Yeah, she calls right. him bluff. And wins and basically yeah. is like, if you want it, come get it because I'm going to live my life. Stay out of it. You can lawyer up. I'll lawyer up. I know you don't want it anyway, so who cares? You know, yep. it's never going to happen. Shut up. Don't ever call me an unfit mother again. Yeah. Yeah. I love and then it. She drives that truck straight to Zac Efron's house to have wild shower sex. She drives back to the dog place, I thought. No, no, that's that's his house because he put those shutters up for the outdoor shower. Okay, why does he have an outdoor shower? I don't know. So she does jump his bones in yes. the shower, but they're fully closed having sex in a shower. Right. It's insane. Here's something I actually appreciate about this movie because your average Nicholas Sparks film will have one hinted at sex scene and then maybe like one good one. This movie has long, multiple, extended sex scenes. They don't tiptoe around it. They just bone zone for 15 minutes of this movie. We see round one in the closet shower, the outside closet shower, right? Right. And mm -hmm. then we immediately see round two, this time for her pleasure, like right, right afterwards, uh, like right, mm -hmm. right that night they do it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the mosquito nets. Right. And then the next morning, she... It looks like she's going to find the photo and she doesn't. And then she comes back to bed for round three. Yeah. We cut to they're redoing the house, setting up the furniture, basically all of the stuff that was tied to the brother that they had kind of covered up or taken down. They're now putting yeah. back up. And this is where he starts talking the son into playing with him for the church choir. Yes. And the son doesn't want to, runs out to the treehouse. So he climbs out over the rope bridge to the treehouse, bridge shadowing. Yep. Also, time out. The treehouse is definitely nicer than Zac Efron's house. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but does he have a tufted floor poof instead of a chair? No, he does not. Does he have $80 tufted sheets from anthropology? No, he does not. So that kid needs to walk into a West Elm and see what's up. Anyways. <laughs> Let's talk about this treehouse. Because it's over a river with a rope bridge and like on a like a cliff face. Yes. So like, I don't know who they hired. Like Kevin died building this treehouse. That's what happened to Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's uh, now canon. That's head canon right there. I want to see Kevin's movie, man. Kevin's movie's real sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he was elderly. 
Wait, he was Blythe Danner's Logan <laughs> and died yeah, making yeah. the treehouse? Yeah, he was laid off during the Great Recession from like a corporate job <laughs> and he had to become a handyman. Like I I could I could do this. So he he talks the kid into playing with him because Marines watch each other's backs. Well, he literally says, I want you up there next to me. He's like, I yeah. need you up there next to me. And I thought that, that was very sweet. He's like trying to motivate him to, you know, get over his fear of playing in front of people. Yeah, and he actually has pretty good chemistry with this kid. Like, they actually look like they're acting and having fun and, like, doing a good job. He has more chemistry with the child than he does with the mom. Right, because... Not, like, also, inappropriate sexual energy. No, like, no, they, no, but no, 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 I just mean, like... Yeah, yeah. He looks like he'd be a really good father figure. Yeah. Also, good to point out that in every one of these scenes where he's talking to him, she's through a window watching them. Yes. Yeah. So they practice playing along in the house, which is the first time anyone's really gotten the kid to play in front of other people. Right. Which then prompts them to have more sex, because we get another sex scene here. Right, yeah. between Beth and Logan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way you worded that, I wanted to be clear. I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah. To clarify, yes. Yeah. Between Beth and Logan, between Beth and Wolverine. And <laughs> we also see that Creepy Cop is creeping outside. Yeah. And here's something I, this movie, for as weird as it is, sometimes telegraphs stuff so obviously. Yeah. So he goes to leave his house and he adjusts the books on the shelf. And I was like, oh, did someone move the books and take the photo? And then that's literally what happens 10 minutes later. Like, it not is. even. So <laughs> yeah. uh, he leaves. They go to church. They play together. It starts out rough, but then the kid kind of gets confidence and they yeah, have a successful it. thing. Yeah. But... The guy from the bar in the first scene who's been gone for most of the movie shows up at church and is like, hey, ex-husband, remember when I told you that guy was talking or asking about Beth with the photo? That's the guy. Head cannon. He like went to rehab and didn't show back up until just now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he had to get to church as part of his program. There you yeah. go. Mm -hmm. There you go. This prompts the ex-husband to break and enter and take the photo. So when Zac Efron gets home, the books have been moved and he knows yeah. that the photo is gone. And so he immediately leaves to try and get to Beth. And I don't know which route he took walking, but the cop beats him there by a good 20 minutes. Well, the cop has a car. Yeah, yeah. he's walking. I mean, yes. yeah. But they're coming from the same place. That house can't be that far from her place because they've walked to and from it a bunch. It's on I thought his it was circular. Like down the street. Yeah. yeah, it's on his circular route around her property. <laughs> yeah, it's past the lake, over the bridge, near the treehouse. To grandmother's house we go, and yeah, so exactly. uh, the cop beats in there. He shows her the photo. She recognizes and recognizes that it was Drake's. But then the cop takes it one step further and is like, "I know that they said your brother died in friendly fire." This guy was in the Marines, but he doesn't have any friends or family, and he just shows up here out of nowhere. Maybe he shot your brother, and now he's tracking you down, which is a crazy thing to say. This is the moment where things change in this movie, where it's like, it goes from like a weird romance movie to like, th this point through the end is just like absolutely batshit insanity. Yeah. 
It's wild. Zac Efron gets to the house literally minutes after that guy leaves. But he does something really interesting where he knocks on the door and then waits for her to let him in. Yeah, because he's a vampire. Yeah, because he's a vampire this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And she basically demands to know about the photo. And he says, I tried to tell you. And she says, try telling me now. And then he cheats outward for a weird soliloquy. Thank you. Okay, this moment crazy because he's okay. So Paige, he turns around. Yeah, he turns yeah. all the way around. Yeah, he's on the porch and she's still in the house. He turns around and walks away from her and talks into the night. Yeah. And there's yeah. no way. There's no way that she can hear him. In fact, you see her open the screen door and stick her head out because she cannot hear his story. He he literally <laughs> delivers all of these lines with his back to. <laughs> her yeah he's ashamed it's a metaphor <laughs> and it's like terrible storytelling it, it does make me tear up a little bit but only just he's like i survived a lot of things things i did, had no right to survive and i promised i would get to you and thank you uh and then she says something that is somehow even crazier than <laughs> yes everything else that has <laughs> happened in this movie where she says that was for drake and it was meant to keep him alive what i know (laughs) what you have the magic to keep people alive with a photo and you miss your brother by one person (laughs) one person because in theory that is what happened and then zach efron zach efron says i wish it had and she's like you should go (laughs) what i know It's like these two people were having two very separate conversations. She straight up goes, you should have died and he should have made it back. Yes. Yes. That is what she's saying. Because I cast a spell on this photo and it was for him, not for you. How dare you use my spell? That's what she is effectively saying. Yeah. I need an ice cube to step in and be like, so wait, you telling me you cast a spell on that photo to save someone's life and it didn't save your brother's life and save this man's life that you've had sex with three or four times? That's crazy. <laughs> also, I have in my notes, this scene is the most he has talked in the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> At least to her. He's yes. talked to Blythe Danner quite a bit, but yeah. He does leave when she asks him to leave. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's like uh I hate to walk away, but I just love to walk. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. Yeah. So he leaves. He's like walking down their long driveway and the kid runs out of the front porch or whatever and brings him the chess book. Because yes. he's like, you need this more than me. Because I'm he's like, you're a, you're an idiot handyman. You've got to get smarter <laughs> if you're going to make it without our family, Zac Efron. <laughs> Thor's not going to be around forever to protect you. you got to get smart. So I cried a lot for him and the kid. Yeah. yeah. But I also was watching this on my lunch break and had to go to a meeting immediately after this scene. Oh, no. <laughs> So there's no way to like go to a meeting and be like, if we look at the projections for the churn rate and our conversion rate with customers that have enrolled oh my God, in our account management program, like it's just, um, and then to be like, I'm sorry, she cast a spell on that photo and I can't handle it. Um, he was supposed to die. He was not supposed him. to die. <laughs> So after this, we cut to the cop at a bar, the ex-husband at a bar, which I thought was at night. 
and he's clearly been overserved, but then they walk outside and it is the daytime. Yeah, it's like the next yeah. day at noon. The yes. deputy comes to get him, who was reluctantly doing his bidding, it seemed like. Yes. He's like, come on, man, you can't drive. Just let's let's get out. Like obviously a guy who is thoroughly and completely sick of this guy's shit. Yeah. Yes. As he's driving the drunk ex-husband slash cop home. He sees Zac Efron out at the farmer's market yeah. gathering groceries. <laughs> he makes the deputy stop the car. He gets out, tries to beat Zac Efron up, and then pulls out a gun, causing the entire <laughs> farmer's market to scatter. Well, yeah. <laughs> and not just scatter a little bit. Like, Godzilla is attacking the town, screaming well, and yelling. Someone yeah. just pulled out a gun. <laughs> like, yeah. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, that was an appropriate reaction. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, like, the camera's not focused on any of that. That's all happening in the background. You can barely see it. The camera's focused on the fact that Zach Efron's like, I don't really want to fight you. And the dog barks at him, and that's why he pulls the gun on both of them. And he's like, I should kill you both. And everyone everyone in the whole world except the cop is like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense, and it's insane. This <laughs> yes. is absolutely insane. Like, no one liked you before this scene. The scene is completely unnecessary because you are such a villain. You don't have to literally threaten to kill Zac Efron's dog for us to hate you any further. So Zac Efron disarms him, gets the gun, and then almost as if to prove like hashtag Marines, he just disassembles the gun and drops it. (laughs) I thought that that was just him practicing a magic trick. (laughs) Do you want to see a gun disappear? Yeah. (laughs) So Zac Efron goes back to Beth and he's like, he drew first blood. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God, Mikey. What he actually says is he turns to the ex-husband and says, you're not a bad guy, Keith, and then walks away. And I'm like, hard disagree. I know. He is a bad guy. He is a bad guy. Yeah. He's the worst guy. You've become a literal terrorist. Yes. So then this is the next scene. This is the only scene, I think, that pays off his relationship with his father the cop's relationship with his judge father. Yeah. Where his father is literally explaining white privilege to him. He says, it'll all be cleared up by the election, which yeah. is basically, I care more about being elected than I care about your well being. Yes. I care more about that jacket than I care about how you feel. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> what it is. It's that perpetuation of that relationship. And by the time he turns around, Keith is gone. Like he is the flash left his badge on the pool table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I knew at that moment he was going to die. I thought he was going to die at the hands of Zac Efron. Like it's yes. self-defense kind of a thing. But I knew he was going to die. Call me crazy. I thought maybe he would have a redemption thing where like <laughs> he's too. like, maybe I shouldn't be such a bad guy. And my wife and son deserve to be happy, too. And I need to support my son. I'll say this, Mikey. I think the movie thinks he does have a redemption. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I don't think he does. I don't think he does no. either. This is the point where I remembered that I had heard about this movie on another podcast and realized what was going to happen in the next couple <laughs> scenes and remembered that they that show had kind of painted it as having a redemption arc. It is not. He does no, it's not because he's also still super drunk. Drunk drives to Beth's house. Yes. Yeah. Breaks in and yep. he's like, I'm taking full custody right now. Give me Ben. I'm taking him home. Yeah. Right now in the midst of this, Zach Efron is looking through the chess book that he got from the kid and finds a photo of Drake. Yeah. 
who turns out to be Aces, the sergeant mm-hmm. from the raid at the very beginning of the movie, which means that it wasn't friendly fire. It was enemy fire. It was enemy yeah. fire. Thank you. I was like, what's the name for the people who aren't your friends? Uh, <laughs> it was frenemy fire. Right. <laughs> so Keith shows up and he's got one of the plates from the table and he's like, I just want us to be a family again. And I low key thought that he was going to take that plate and break it across her face. I would not be surprised because at this point he's a supervillain. Yes, exactly. And I was like, why is he holding onto the plate that way? Blythe Danner pushes the boy into the other room and closes the door to keep him away. Very smart. Yeah. Um, Beth says, no, they're not going to be a family. You need to let this go. And he says, why should I let it go? Maybe I will take Ben. Maybe I'll take him right now which causes Ben to run to the treehouse across the Indiana Jones Bridge. It's also raining, so it's like flood levels in the river. Yeah, it's horrible. Ben, the mom and the father go after the kid over the bridge. She's No, he sees her running in the ground. There's like, go after her. With yeah. no context, I know. Yes. he just takes off in full sprint. Because yeah. he's a good dude. Yeah. Yes. And he loves Beth. They've had sex four times, Mikey. That equals love. It does. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to tell you a joke. <laughs> Hold on. Knock, knock. knock, knock. <laughs> so the bridge collapses and both Ben and Keith, the cop dad, are now basically in the river about to drown. Yeah. And the treehouse is starting to kind of shake and fall apart. So pieces of wood are falling and hitting them as well. Logan gets into the river. Zach Efron gets yes. into the river, works with Stan from Mad Men to get Ben <laughs> from the treehouse across the river safely to his mom. So the reason it's not a redemption arc is because his foot is stuck. Because Keith's yeah. foot is stuck. <laughs> yes, and he says, "Take Ben, my foot stuck." And then like Zach Efron's like, "I'm gonna go back and help him get his foot unstuck." Right. right. But there's no redemption arc. He just literally does the the, the minimum you're supposed to yeah. do as a parent, which is. Don't let your kid die. Well, and, right. and here's the thing. The kid would not have run to the treehouse if he had not scared him in the first place. Right? Oh, yeah. He is yeah. responsible for that situation. Right. Yeah. It's basically attempted murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's like struggling with his foot. And then comically, this giant ass treehouse just falls on him. He dies and floats down the river. Yeah. Wicked witch style. It's, it's yeah. wild. Also, that <laughs> all of that treehouse was wood. It would have hit the top of the water and floated away. He could have just gone under the water a foot and been fine. Yes. But you see, the son actually installed mosquito nets like Zac Efron's house. (laughs) And so the dad, he got caught in the mosquito nets and he couldn't get out. I learned it from watching you, Logan. I learned it from watching you. It surprised me that he was dead at the end of the movie, especially because they have an ambulance. And so they kind of fake you out for a second where you're like, oh, he's not dead. And then we realize that it's probably Ben that's in the ambulance going home. Okay. Um, head injury cannon. Okay. <laughs> you think he got knocked out and then they yes. just. Yeah. So I think that too. I think that he got knocked out. They saw him go under the water. And I do think Logan and Beth made a quick decision to let him die. Because they <laughs> want to have a good life without him. Right. Well, I mean, they come just, on. I mean, he's floated pretty far down and he's not coming back up. But plus, he's threatened to kill like three out of three of those characters at that yes. point. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm not saying you're wrong, Mikey. Also, you know what makes me real sad for Keith? Like Keith's dad is there and he thanks uh, Zach Efron for saving his saving his grandson, Benny, as he calls him. And right. he said, I didn't save him. Your son saved him. And then 
the dad's just like, all right, well, I got an election to win. I'm out of here. Yes. <laughs> like, well, he, he just like shakes just, his head like, I, nah, know. I don't think so. Nah. He's like, getting that sympathy vote. <laughs> no one, no one in this movie mourns the ex-husband. No, no. one. Well, except for Ben. Ben kind of does because in the very next scene, they're back at the house and Ben says, did they find my dad yet? And Beth is like, no, yeah. but we have your new dad. <laughs> yeah. You mean the one behind door number three? Um, so. It would be door number three because it was Keith, Kevin, and then, and then Logan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Ben was like, Daddy died just like Kevin when they fell off the treehouse. <laughs> this is where she's wearing that crazy nightgown. Midday. Midday, into because it's the next day. She comes out into the dining room where he has the picture of Drake, and he basically tells her, this is how your brother died. Yes. And he's also packed up all of his stuff. Like, he's about to yeah. walk back to Denver or wherever. Yes. Well, one, no one slept. A person has died and right. no one has rested. And it's six hours later after they find the body. And he's like, I've packed everything up and here's how your brother died. I'm taking off. Yeah. I'm about to become Jack Reacher. So I'm yeah. leaving. <laughs> right. What we kind of missed, I think it happened right before Keith shows up for that dinner, maybe, is where she and Blythe Danner are talking and she's like, he lived, Drake died so that he could live as if those are a one to one equivalency. Yeah, and that's right. Insane. I thought that was insane. Yeah. That was the conversation that I was like, when she like stated that, I was like, this is insanity. Right. So this kind of confirms that. No, he was killed by enemy fire. But what I found really interesting is that he's like, he didn't die for nothing. But we saw in that first scene that the guy he helped was- He saved, died. Yeah. He was already dead. So like, <laughs> he, he kind of did. Like, I hate to say oh, that, but- Yeah, that's rough. But I mean, yeah. That's a real lie you could get in trouble with later down the road of a relationship. Like, yeah, I saw your brother save some person. That's how he died. And right. Then, like, the report comes out was like, he checked the corpse of his fallen friend. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So then Zach Efron is basically like truth bomb, peace out, and walks out. And then he's just walking down the road because, yes, he is clearly going to abandon the house that he owns and all of the <laughs> anthropology furniture that he bought and the shipping pallets that he's been sleeping on to just walk somewhere else. And I was like, are you going to walk to Europe? What? I don't know. <laughs> He's basically the Incredible Hulk, but like for romance. Yes. yes. And so then she chases after him outside in that crazy nightgown. And then we get a scene of them teaching the boy to drive the boat. Oh, wait, we got to talk about what they say. Paige, you can't gloss over what she says to him. And she like walks up to him and says, don't go. You belong here with us. Yes, with yeah. us. As if she's collecting him like dolls. Like that's what yeah. she said to Kevin. And that's why his corpse is in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do think, and Paige, you sort of talked about this earlier, about, about how it ends with them on the boat. Yeah. I did think it was in bad taste to have them at the end in the boat sort of driving off. And then you see Keith's body floating down the <laughs> river next to them. I thought that was very in bad taste. I thought that was in bad taste, but then when he swerved to run over the body. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> and the, you know what's messed up about that? Is the kids driving the boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This got dark. Uh, but anyway, they drive the boat off into the sunset. And, and that's, that's, that's the movie. movie. Yeah. Roll them credits. Oh, mm -hmm. man. All right. So can I pitch you guys my better ending? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. 
So we've already set up that when he was trying to convince Ben to play the, the violin at church, he was like, just like the Marines, I need you up there with me. I think after Beth runs out to meet Zach on the street and says, don't leave, you belong here with us, we should jump ahead a year. And then you get like a close-up shot of Zach talking to Ben and him saying, just like the Marines, I need you up here with me. Or, I need you At up the there wedding. with me. Yeah, and then, oh, that'd and be then so it, cute. And then it cuts to a wide shot, and it's them up at the front. Ben is his best man, and you see Beth walking down the aisle and seen. That's the yes movie. with the dog also in a tux. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was my better ending. I, I was like, how how did this movie not end there? That is that is a great ending. That's I, a great ending, Todd. Thank I you. posit an entirely different version of this movie where it's not the brother, it's the husband that died. Yes, that would yes. have been better. It would have been better. And and literally, instead of there being an evil ex-husband, she's just battling grief. Yeah. And so is he. Like survivors yeah, and, and so is he. <laughs> and so it's this kind of movie-long conversation of the bad things that happen to us don't have to define us. Sometimes they can bring good things into our lives. In this case, yeah. it's, a ch- it's each other. And, and that would be a great movie. And I totally would watch that movie, but I also kind of love a batshit insane movie. Yeah. I mean, this movie is great and everyone should watch it. Cause it's weird because the, the time between the credits and then the dad being killed by a treehouse is like four minutes. <laughs> Not even it's Mikey. <laughs> It is a minute and a half. Is it? It's like a minute and a half. He dies, and then basically they drive off in the boat. And yes. like, that's hilarious. That's the whole Yeah, movie. what they're doing there is getting away with murder. Yes. <laughs> I do think it's strange that the most realistic thing about this movie was the real estate, because that's never the case. <laughs> no, I know, right? Do we think they're still together? I think they're still together. Honestly, I do think they're still together. Yeah. I, I mean, they do seem like they're, they worked. I don't know, man. Maybe. I don't know. I think this movie gave them time to establish a friendship and a rapport and that yeah. picture or not, they are probably still together. Yeah, I don't think the picture is as big of a deal as the movie wants you to think it's as yeah, a big, yeah, a big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the whole time I was like, why is this the conflict of the movie? Like, yeah. This yeah. picture thing. So yeah, they're probably still together. Would you date one of the characters? I would date Zac Efron for sure. I mean, not like actual Zac Efron, but like the, the character in this movie. You would date this character who never <laughs> once makes a joke or smiles or laughs? I mean, it's nice to have some quiet sometimes. Um <laughs> She just wants a guy around her house to fix it up and shut up every just now and then. Constantly fix My dog things. already wants to go on so many walks. I couldn't take dating someone who wants to go on <laughs> so many true. walks. That's true. I as don't well. like hiking. That this guy <laughs> is the quintessential Tinder profile. Loves hiking. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like that part. But he seems like a decent enough dude. Um, What's the craziest thing you've done? Oh, I've walked from uh, Denver to Louisiana <laughs> after choke slamming a child. <laughs> <laughs> to escape my child abuse charges out of state. God, this movie is so nuts. There's so oh, much in man. this movie. Oh, I would totally date the mom. She's got the right amount of like mm, adult responsibility and issues together. Oh, yeah. She's like writing your Venn diagram of where Mikey oh, yeah. succeeds. Of like really kind but also unavailable. Like that, that, that oh, crossover yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, plus, she's got that sweet ass house. She's super rich. Yeah. Yeah. Then you just have to kill Blythe Danner. No. See, I was going to choose Blythe Danner. I was going to say, would you date (laughs) Blythe Danner? Oh, I 100% would. 
She's my favorite character. I don't like that the movie did not give her a closure scene. Like she needed, they needed to have that wedding and have her do something at the end. Here is what's crazy. So in the car, she talks about how she had seizures occasionally and that's why she can't drive. So it actually wasn't seizures. It was a stroke. A stroke. Okay. She had a mini stroke. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought there was a chance that she might kick the bucket at the denouement of the the Same. Movie. Hey, do you guys want to hear some crazy coincidences? Absolutely. Yeah. Fair warning, they're all sad. Well, okay. Oh. Okay, so this movie is about a guy named Logan. My brother's name was Logan. Oh, oh my God, here we go. Right? So um, my brother's name was Logan, and he died like her parents died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And my dad died of a stroke. Oh, jeez. So like every time something bad happened, I was like, Oh, I've been there. Oh, that was my brother's name. He couldn't tell jokes either. <laughs> I had a similar reaction because my grandmother died when a treehouse fell off her. <laughs> oh, my God, Mikey. <laughs> crying during this movie and Mikey just made fun of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. All right. So let's talk box office. I spoiled this for myself when I was researching if this plot was real from the novel. Okay. Okay. So Paige. Well, and Mikey, you may not know this. What do you think the production budget was? I, you know what? I don't think this is a very expensive movie. It's shot very well and color corrected to death, but like, as far as the actual cost of making this movie, I don't think it's that pricey. And there's not a lot of big names in it aside from Zac Efron. He wasn't that big back then. He had just come off high school musical, but he's not big for this genre. I would, yeah. I would say this cost between 10 to $15 million to make. Okay, Mikey, do you have a guess? I thought I read $30 million. Okay. So the production budget was $25 million. Okay. <laughs> which uh... is, I mean, that's not a huge budget. It's not a nothing budget, though. Uh, and this movie came out on April 20th, uh, of course, 2012. And it was number two at the box office. It got beat by Think Like a Man. Think Like a Man and The Lucky One came out the same week. Okay. And Think Like a Man beat it at the box office. And Think Like a Man made $33 million. The Lucky One made $22 million. Dang. The Hunger Games was number three that week. A movie called Chimpanzee was number four. And then the <laughs> Three Stooges movie was number five. Oh, the new Three Stooges, like the remake? Yeah. And then this movie went on to make $60 million domestically. Jeez. $36 million (laughs) internationally for a total of $96.6 million. And then it made an extra $31 million in domestic DVD and Blu-ray sales. You've got this to be kidding me. This movie made a ton of money. So yeah. I do remember when this came out that word got out that it was bonkers. And so I yeah. do think some of that is based on people being like, I'm sorry, what now? He chokeslams a child and the dad drowns? Let's go. I, I think it's part of this genre where like this genre of films like romance, romantic comedies. Like it could get out that it's like kind of bonkers, but everybody's like, yeah, I saw it. And they, they don't say, people who are into romantic movies, they don't say like, oh, that movie's completely bonkers. They're like, 
Hmm. That was an interesting one. Like she seemed a little older than him. Like that's the that's the only feedback I got. And I watched that movie again. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, there are a lot worse date movies. Like this would be a fun ass date movie. Honest, I mean, yeah, I'm invested. Same. I would be honored to go on a date to this movie. Oh, like this I, would be awesome. I'd be like, thank you for picking that movie. Did that guy just get killed by a treehouse at the end? <laughs> I I'm just picturing because here's the thing. It had to be a good date. Because if you could you imagine coming out of a date to this movie and having that person be like I loved it and you're just like he choke slammed a child <laughs> like, and then walked for 41 days walked for 41 days like well I think it only works to- if you're on a date with someone who is as cynical as you and you're like did he walk from Colorado to Louisiana that yeah, happened right okay like, we no both saw that, about that. I never want to stop talking about this movie. This is like my new favorite movie. We've been talking for almost three hours. I know. And I could talk for another three hours about the crazy shit that happened in this movie. So this week we watched a lucky one. What are we watching next week? 27 Dresses. Now, you love this movie, Paige, I hate it with a fiery passion. Oh, that's what it was. Hate it so much. I've never seen it. Me either. I'm sorry that I'm inflicting it upon you, but (laughs) I think we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so guys, watch 27 Dresses for next week. If you want to follow us on social media, on Twitter, we are at RomancingPodShow, S-H-O, because Twitter has character limits. And everywhere else, we're at RomancingThePodShow. You can also send us an email at RomancingThePodShow at gmail.com. Um, if you want to follow me personally, I'm at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. And I am at Todd J. Awesome. And Mikey is at M Randolph 24 on all the social channels. And if you want to check out our other podcasts, Paige is on an awesome podcast called Cult Podcast that you guys should check out where they do deep dives into some pretty awesome cults. Oh, yeah. Mikey and I are on another podcast with Paige called The Horror <laughs> I was like, Virgin. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, so guys check out all of that Well, We do pretty much this but for horror movies Yeah it's fun Todd's scared It's great Yeah I hate him <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us this week Yeah while we explored the depths of The lucky one We, we got through the darkness of this movie And now we're going <laughs> into the light of freedom <laughs> So join us next Thursday For a new episode Bye, Bye. <laughs>